This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Okay, so episode 86 for Bite Size Cinema, let's do it. So, lights, camera, and action. Hey, mate. You're right, mate. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was so, just... Can you hear the drilling? Someone is drilling. Are they? No, Someone. I can't hear that. Can you hear it? You sound, you sound oh, okay, good, because I was like. You sound a lot better now. It's just that you're okay. You're... I put my four, I put my Wi-Fi on again because as soon as I put my four G on, it went it went silly. So I put my Wi-Fi back on. Okay, you sound uh, you sound a lot better now. So that's fine. It's okay. We're, we're gonna okay. get we we'll so get sorry. there. We'll get there with it. Listen, Kate. Uh, just... Honestly, this episode is cursed. Listen, if we if we can't if we can't finish it today, don't worry. We'll just do it in segments and then we'll, we will get there with it. But don't worry if we don't. Do you know what I mean? Don't don't stress about it, all right? Because we can just keep coming back okay, to it. You know? All right. That's so we'll just just chill out. If we do, t- <laughs> if we do, t- I'm never doing it without Dan again. He's clearly my lucky charm. He must be. He must be like the bloody lucky talisman or something. I don't know. It's just. <laughs> I know, right? He's like. He's, I'll tell you what. I tell you what this is. It's Danny's because it's like, oh, don't want have me in the episode. Fuck you, Dan. Guess what? <laughs> Dan Bynes giving me a, giving us a fuck you curse. Yeah, giving us the home die, but you know, for podcast. Get out. Tell you what, I'll have him when I see him. It's weird. <laughs> Just straight out, oh, man. Don't worry about it, it's fine. That's okay, I can chop it all together. Let's do it again. So take two lights, camera, action. Um, yeah, RJ. Yeah, RJ. Real quick, I've just mm. got a nosebleed. Let me just go get a tissue. Oh no, you're kidding me! <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Honestly, I'll, I'll be a sec. All right. All right. I'll be two seconds. You're right. Right, RJ. I'm back. <laughs> Do I sound nasally at all? Oh, no, you're right. You're fine. <laughs> All right, I've got a bit of tissue stuck up my nose. Oh my god! <laughs> I think this episode's cursed. Never mind the bloody mummy. Oh my god, am I? What the hell's going on? I don't know. I'm not even sure I want to carry on. Do you know what I mean? Jeez. God, am I? Wait Sorry, t- guys. Can't have this episode. Turns out it's cursed. Yeah. We best not risk it. <laughs> Wait till Dan finds out. <laughs> Oh, right. seriously. It's pouring down my face as well. I just had to rinse out my mouth. Jeez. Right, anyway. Holy shit in hell. <laughs> okay. So, we get a scene now which... Uh... I get them a lot, don't worry. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Always say third time lucky anyway, so don't worry about it. It's okay. So, let's do it. Uh, take three, bite-sized cinema, episode 86. Lights... Camera, action. Huge fight. There was a lot going on, but it wouldn't 
Hey, on Kate, Kate, can you hear me? Sorry, sorry. That's um, that's not coming through too well. Yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> It's fine. I, I think fourth time, fourth time a charm. It kind of gets a little bit left out, so let's bring it on this time. So there you go. By side cinema episode eighty six. Lights, camera, action. Hey O'Connell, looks to me like I've got all the horses. <laughs> hey Benny, looks like you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> so, yeah. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready, and for this episode, I could be taking you guys back to a year in 1999 to do a revisit. I'm going to be revisiting a movie which is so good, I need to talk about it twice. And that is the action adventure movie The Mummy, uh, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Wise, which is that just a rip roaring adventure movie which I love. And joining me for the show today is uh, my friend and listener, Kate Pollock. Uh, Kate, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, RJ. How are you doing? Yeah, no, it's great to have you back on the show again after we uh, we, we spoke about Princess Bride last time, which is another um, adventure fantasy movie. So we're on yeah, board no, to do that again. Thank you so much for having me, this time riding solo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's great to have <laughs> you back onto the show. Time without Dan backing me up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, I'll put Dan Bone aside for this one. <laughs> sorry, Dan. Oh, sorry, you... Dan. <laughs> <laughs> love uh, you. <laughs> yeah, we we love you, man. Yeah, we love having Dan on the show. But Kate, what have you been up to? How you been? You been watching anything or reading any books? I know you yeah. Like books. Um, yeah. So I've been watching um, a few bits. I. Uh, Unfortunately, the last couple of weeks I've actually been really ill with something that sounds made up called labyrinthitis, right. um, which essentially it affects your inner ear and it just gives you vertigo and nausea. Right. It's really not pleasant. Um, luckily, it only seems to affect me for a couple of weeks. I had it once before and it, it only lasted that long, but it can last for months for some people and right. there's no real cure. It's just kind of wait it out. Um, it's just rubbish, but it, it also meant that I wasn't really able to focus on TV too much like mm -hmm. I couldn't watch a screen for very long um, so I didn't watch too many films but I did watch a couple of TV shows because you know 45 minutes an hour is yeah. about all I could take in one go so um, I've been watching so me and my partner have been catching up a bit late to the party but we've been catching up on The Mandalorian oh yeah I love that big yeah. fan of that what did you think that's, that's that's been awesome. Um, we've got one episode to go before we're fully caught up. Yeah. Um, but it's been so great to revisit that world, and it's it's so true what everyone says. It is. It's really got the feel and vibe of like the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, the characters are awesome. Um, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just feel so much anxiety though whenever Baby Yoda. I know it's not who he actually is, but. For the sake of conversation, we'll call him Baby Yoda. Um, whenever Baby him. Yoda is, um, uh, you know, in peril or, or anything, I just, it's, yeah, <laughs> just filled with anxiety. And it's honestly, it's most episodes. So, <laughs> yeah, but I think that's what, that's primarily what's driving that story forward, isn't it? You, you've got a guy who's a, who's a loner, isn't he? He's like that lone gunslinger mm. without any spoilers here, but he's got to. Sure. Um, 
I think a lot of people now know that he has to protect this baby Yoda. And we all call him Baby Yoda. You know, <laughs> I think we're yeah, going with that. He looks like Yoda. Kind of dog, it? Um, but he hasn't, he's kind of just referred to as the child, and Baby Yoda yeah. is better than the child, I reckon. But it's, um, I, I've heard people say this before, especially Ricky Morgan, little shout out to Rick. He said that he's hey. always he's always wanted this type of Star Wars. It's almost like a... Uh, it's almost like the Moss Eisley from the first Star Wars movie. You know when they go into the cantina bar? It's yeah. Like, you're mm-hmm. now seeing all those characters in that bar and what they're up to. Exactly. Um, which is yeah, great. yeah, for sure. You know. Um, and the other thing is it's... Um, it's directed. It's got a different director for each episode as well. Um, yeah, which the is one cool. that we just watched was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, yeah. um, which is so great. Yeah. Female directors. Um, you know, that was really cool to see, and I'm um, quite mm-hmm. surprising. I didn't realise that she was doing directing. So. Big fan of Bryce Dallas Howard because she turned up in um, Black Mirror as well. I think. Have you watched the Black? <laughs> yeah, Mirror? that's a great episode. Mm, fantastic episode. So I'm a big fan of her. And like I say, she's doing some directing, yeah. which is. Uh, following the footsteps of her father. Um, I- well, funnily enough, my first um, my first sort of interaction, not interaction, mm. don't know her, but my first kind of time I've, I've come across her was when she was in Firefly. Um, oh, okay. And the Mandalorian gives me real kind of Firefly vibes. You know, it's kind of cowboys in space. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, you've got to protect, you know, an innocent and you've got to get her somewhere and, you know, um, you kind of got a bit of a ragtag crew yeah. here and there, sort of thing. Um, you know, the humour is kind of similar. You know, I think I feel like Joss Whedon and, and John Favreau have kind of that similar sort of sense of humour and, and sense of comedic mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sort of vibes and things. So, um, you know, I'm watching Mandalorian, and, and it's not to like snub it at all because, you know, um, I mean, both shows are fantastic, and you know, it's not exactly the same. But as a huge Firefly fan, I'm watching, it going like, "Ah, oh, that's kind of like that, and that's kind of like that," but only in a good way. You know, like it just makes me love it more. Yeah, um, it's it's, uh, you know, it's it's almost like getting my season two of Firefly. <laughs> yeah, we're finally getting it in the Mandalorian Star Wars world. But I know yeah. what you mean because I'm a fan of that type of genre. Um, because I grew up with uh, films like Space Raiders and Battle Beyond the Stars, which is kind of like nice. cowboys in space, that type of thing. It's like a um, like a dirty sort of space, if that makes sense. Nothing's really tiny. Yeah, exactly. Not like a Blade Runner kind of clean modern yeah. technology. It's very kind of so. Yeah, everything's just a bit dirty. Lots of sand. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I I kind of like that. Um, aesthetic as well when they do it with that which yeah. they've captured with the Mandalorian but talking about the Star Wars universe we've got some sad news haven't we with um, uh, we Do- Darth Vader actor is it David David Prowse who passed away today David Prowse yeah, yeah literally just shame. today we found out that he passed away it's really sad he's um, uh, battling cancer wasn't he yeah um, which you know is a sad day for the you know for Star Wars and the fans because um, sure. he, he's an iconic character He's one of the most iconic villains ever. Yeah. Like, you know, and that I always think of. He was also the Green Cross Code Man <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Showing me age now a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a. There oh, was an he, advert. He's from around my parts. He's from Somerset. Oh, was he from some? Oh, yeah, of course he is. Yeah, that's right. From yeah, Somerset. and that's the reason why he doesn't voice Darth Vader is because George Lucas was like, can't can't have a southwestern Darth Vader. It doesn't really strike the right balance of. Yeah. Intimidation and I, I, know, so cracking James Earl Jones. <laughs> I think he knew um, that himself. I saw a documentary on that, and it's 
God bless David Prowse, you know. But, uh, you know, you heard that voice recording. You thought, man, that was not going to work. You, you needed that deep, Oh, no, yeah, know, I heard voice, that. So. <laughs> no, love you, but no. no. <laughs> but he, it was amazing, though, because even though, even though he wasn't speaking and... Although, obviously, you know, he, he would be speaking on set, but the final cut that we saw, you know, he wasn't speaking. Um, he And you couldn't see his face, and he was completely covered head to toe. Mm-hmm. I still feel like he was able to emote so much, despite all of that. Like, you really got... I mean, yeah, okay, the voice is, is so iconic and, and so part of what makes Darth Vader Darth Vader. Yeah. But, you know, you don't... I mean, even James Earl Jones sort of acknowledged, like, you don't have Darth Vader without David Prowse you know his stature his you know his his presence um you know his his body mass I mean guy Mm -hmm. the guy was a bodybuilder for Christ's sakes you know and he's who you're watching on screen um so you know yeah the voice is is very important but you have to give props to David Prowse and, and how he portrayed so much given so little if that makes sense yeah that's right because it's right what you're saying because it's not an easy thing to you've got to do that character body movement um yeah and i'll tell you what else does that in the horror world is uh, jason voorhees so for sure do you know what i mean yeah 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 you hear the horror mm-hmm. fans or us fans say oh you know you've got kane hodder and then you've got i can't name all the other ones but there's about five actors <laughs> underneath that mask and they all bring their mm. own some people say yo i like this jason i like that jason so it's the they all bring something different yeah, you've got yeah. ones that are more comedic you've got ones more, more imposing like <laughs> you know yeah I think it just it depends because I mean I think those films are just they're quite different you know from one to the next anyway yeah um, you know they tend to get more funny as they go but like you know I don't think they just a lot of that is <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> and not always intentionally <laughs> yeah um, but I think you know that a lot of that comes from like the actor that you have behind the mask you know not to quote Alice Cooper oh yeah <laughs> the man behind the mask that's it yeah that's... but on, I guess on the subject of of recent tragic deaths we should probably talk about Daria Nicolodi as well yes that's right yeah and um, she was heavily involved wasn't she in the Italian horror genre Including oh, one of 100%. your favourite films, I think, isn't it? Suspiria, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, the original, and she was she she uh, sort of co-wrote that as well, I believe. Um, yeah. But she was married to Dario Argento, which I always found funny, like, Dario and Dario. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, so she was married. She's obviously mother of his children, Asia Argento and things. Um, mm. And she was, you know, she, she starred in a lot of his movies. You know, I, I mean, literally, in a few weeks ago, I watched um, Deep Red. Uh, for the second time, yeah, um, and she's just so great in that. She's just got this huge energy, you know. Like, and and whenever like she's on screen, and whenever I've seen her in interviews and things, she just seems to have this real kind of, yeah. I mean, I just an energy. I can't really describe it any better than that. It's kind of a bit of a cop out, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Being a fan of cinema myself, some people just have that energy that you can't really explain. But yeah, no, I get that. And it's good that the um, Italian horror has really just boomed. I think in the last, yeah. certainly in the last five I years, think, I'd I think say. so. Yeah, it's just... yeah, I think so. It certainly has for me. It's only, I mean, I'm quite a late comer to it. It's only been mm. the last couple of years that I've really started to sort of get into it and things. And um, I've been following along uh, the show um, Where to Begin with Jallo on the podcast under the stairs collective yes, collective yeah. um and i've been sort of submitting regular monthly reviews for that 
Um, and it's brought to my attention like so many movies that like, I mean, Duncan's done it on purpose to get some more obscure titles in there. And honestly, I don't know whether I would have ever come across them otherwise. No, you know, no, uh, things right. like Girl, Pajama, Girl Case and things like that. And it's such a, you don't realize, well, I mean, I didn't realize, but there's such a huge expanse of, of movies in that subgenre. <laughs> um, and she's such a, you know, going back to Daria, she's such a, a key figure in that. And not only in the roles that she played, but just her writing as well. And, and you know, the, and all the collaboration that she did with, uh, with Argento. Um, yeah, yeah, really sad to hear that she passed. No, that is really sad, sad, yeah. I think we're having a sad year, I mean, with uh, people passing away. We've had a few now, haven't we, this year? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, 2020 has been an incredibly hard year. Um, it really has, but, um, you know, we're near the end of it now. We're getting to the end of it. You know, yeah, we're brightness on there. the horizons, fingers crossed, hopefully. I'll feel like the, I don't know, Ash Williams or something like that. Or you could be the final girl coach, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're finally getting there. <laughs> yeah, or like, you know, um, oh God, geez, I was going to I was gonna compare it to The Descent, but oh God, I hope not. Girl, um, what do you mean? You're going to be <laughs> coming out of the ground covered in blood? The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then f- realise you're not actually out of it. <laughs> Let's oh. not. Let's not have that one. Where's <laughs> RJ? Yeah, he's in the uh, tool shed with a chainsaw and a boomstick, you know. Just <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you don't have to take it that far. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, let's not lose any, uh, any limbs or anything. Let's not do that. But we're not here to talk about Ash Williams or The Descent, but shall we have a talk about The Mummy then, Kate? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So let's go back to uh, Cairo in the 1930s let's get on those camels let's go back to Hamanatra we'll play you guys a trailer and we will see you soon where did you get this? on a dig down in Thebes Jonathan I think you found something there is an ancient legend of a place known as the city of the dead we call it the doorway to hell where the earliest pharaohs were said to have hidden the wealth of Egypt. Are we going into battle? There's something out there. Something underneath that sand. They came to uncover its secrets. Mummies, my good son. This is where they made the mummies. They sought to unlock its treasure. And then there was light. Oh, boy. What they did. Oh, my God. It does exist. I think this may be the Book of the Dead was unleash a force unlike any the world has ever known. You must not read from the book! You have unleashed the creature that we have feared for more than 3,000 years. He will regenerate and no longer be the undead. We are in serious trouble. This one? What the occasion calls for it? Trust me, it calls for it. Universal Pictures invites you. This powers are growing. What? This just keeps getting better and better. To experience the adventure. It appears he's already chosen his human sacrifice. That will live forever. If he turns me into a mummy, you're the first one I'm coming after. Go!
And welcome back guys. So the synopsis of this film is an archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hamanacha. An American servant in the French Foreign Legion accidentally awakens a mummy who begins to wreak havoc as he searches for the reincarnation of his lost love. It's um, an action-adventure fantasy movie. It was um, backed by Universal. It's got 124 minute runtime. And it was directed by Stephen Summers, which we'll get into in a minute. But before we get into all that, uh, Kate, The Mummy. When did you first watch this film? Um, so this was... So it went in 1999, I was 11. Yeah. So I didn't see it at the cinema or anything. Hmm. Um, but I remember back in the days of VHS... Um, I, it probably was, I would have been about 13 or something by yeah. the time it did its cinema run and then came out on VHS in England, um, because we, you know, it wasn't as instant as everything is now. Everything kind of took a little bit of time back then. Um, so I probably was about 13 and I remember me and my mum. So my mum is a big movie fan as well. And yeah. although she won't do flat out horror, she loves stuff like this. Um, and we both saw this VHS cover in like, a shop. I don't know if I can say particular brands. Oh, you um, can, yes, yeah, like right. Yeah, and like basically down to Smiths. Other shops are available. Yeah. Um, and there, yeah, and it was just it was just on one of the display things, and we were both just like, "What is this?" Mm. You know, like look at this, and we read the back, and it was, it was one of these things where I had never before bought something without first having seen it, right. either at a friend's house or at the cinema. Yeah. And I felt so daring. I felt, oh my gosh, I'm taking such a risk buying this without having seen it before, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, I do it all the time now. But like back then, it was like, especially because it was like, it was my pocket money. And I've been like, it was kind of a bit of a, a blind investment, you know? Yeah. Um, and so me and my mum, we took the, the film home and we watched it and immediately we fell in love. And mm. I think I watched it every day for about a month or something stupid mum didn't join me on every single one of those watches <laughs> um, but uh, she certainly did watch it a lot and it's now sort of like a bit of a family favourite of ours you know like my uncle who I've, I've mentioned briefly is a big influence on me yeah. when it comes to my movie yeah. taste and stuff he loves it my, even my dad loves it and he's not really into anything that we like <laughs> oh, right. um, but even he he loves it um, you know so it's one of those ones where I just think there is something for everyone in there and I think they yeah. When I say they straddle a lot of genres, I don't mean in a way that, you know, they kind of do, you know, it's kind of here and all there. They don't really do anything of anything. I think they do comedy really well. They do action really well. I think the elements of horror that are in there, they do really well. Um, you know, for the time, I mean, we'll talk about it um, probably as we go through, but at the time, the effects were spectacular. Yeah. Some of it is aged a little bit, but I think considering it's 1999, mm -hmm. like... Pfft, they do amazingly well and I think it just has this all-round appeal that as I say you know is something for everyone in there yeah absolutely um I mean I I never get bored of this film and it's totally my genre and I show me age a bit here Kate I actually went to the cinema to go and see this film um Oh, you'd, so, you'd have only been like a couple of years older than me. Oh, uh, like, yeah, I thanks, mean, like, Kate. <laughs> two, three, two, three years. Yeah, back, uh, so. Go up a little bit. But um, <laughs> I, so I remember this. So at that time in 1999, and there wasn't really an awful lot of horror about. And there wasn't really any call for this film. 
if that kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? It wasn't like anybody said, yeah. oh, I really fancy a, the Mummy movie or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I was going to the cinema and I think Scream might have just come out. It would have been probably Scream 2. Um, Scream 2, I think, was 98. So Scream was 96. Yeah. And I think, no, Scream 2 was 97. So it would have probably been Scream 3, maybe. Scream. No, I think Scream 3 was 1,000. Somewhere around. Oh. The thing is, it came out in 99. So it might have been 2000 by the time it came over to the UK. Around about that time. I think you had The Faculty yeah, that came out as around about then as well. So you had a couple of horror movies kicking around, but you also had um, 1996, you had Independence Day that came out as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember that being big. That was huge. That was probably one of the biggest like events in the 90s. I thought, whoa, you know, it's tailed off a little bit now, but that was huge. And all of a sudden, yeah, the, mum, yeah. the Mummy came out. I remember seeing, it, the, um, seeing the poster when I went to my local cinema. And that was the first time I'd ever seen it because there's no social media or anything like that. And I thought, oh, they're yeah. making another mummy film. And I thought it was going to be like um, like Boris Karloff's or the Hammer film, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I went to go and watch the film I went to go and originally see. I saw the trailer for the mummy and I was like, oh my God. I was like, you know, seeing Brendan Fraser cutting the rope and then flying up and then shooting. I was like, I was like, Oh my god, they just made another Indiana Jones film. Yeah, I was know? gonna say it's got so much Indiana Jones vibes, and I don't <laughs> yes. think that was by accident. <laughs> no, and uh, and you know, as you know, Kurt, I'm a big um, Indiana Jones fan. It's one of my favourite films. Of uh, so I went, to, I went to go and watch The Mummy, and oh my god, I was blown away because, like what you just said, it's just got everything in it. It's got comedy, it's got action, it's got horror. Um, it just moves at a pace as well, do you know what I mean? There's no point where it just slows down. And all, no. the, all the characters are in it are great. And I think everybody's sort of comedic timing um, just seems oh, to work, brilliant. you know. And um, and let's talk about Brendan Fraser. So he's not your typical action hero at that time. He was doing like George of the Jungle um, yeah, Cal- it was the jungle that got him this role actually, because um, Stephen Summers didn't want it didn't want it to be too straight laced. Hmm. Um, but he was also aware of Brendan Fraser's sort of physical comedy yeah. attributes, you know. So, you know, being able to do a lot of stunts and all of this kind of thing. And and do you know when I was sold with Brendan Fraser, right at the beginning of the film, when he's in Hamanatra, he's in the Foreign Legion, he's yeah. fighting. And I just saw him with a rifle. And he comes out and says, "You're with me on this one, right?" You know, "Oh yes, Ma. oh yes, Ma. you know, like. And I just thought, "This dude is going to." Your strength gives me me strength. Oh yes, oh, I'm by your side. You always, you know, whatever. Um, and I just thought, this guy's going to carry this movie from the off. Do you know what I mean? I thought I'm just totally sold with the Rick O'Connell character. Completely. Brilliant. Even the name's perfect, isn't it? Yeah, Rick O'Connell. O'Connell. I mean, yeah, come know. on, right? He is it- based. <laughs> he's based on the sort of 1930s adventure novel, isn't he? He's your typical, very sort of charming, yeah. almost Errol like. Flynn was a big influence as well when Steve Summers was writing it because he wrote mm. it as well as directed it, which is why I think it's so because he's a director 
Yeah. And there was hardly anything. I mean, even on the Blu-ray extras I had looked through, and there was only three deleted scenes. Right. And there was such little that ended up on the cutting room floor because he's a director. So when he writes, he knows what's going to end up making it and what isn't. And so yeah. if he doesn't think it's going to make it in it, he just doesn't write it to begin with. That's right. And he, he also did, um, talking about Stephen Summers, he did a film called Deep Rising before this, which is the ocean liner film. Which is another that also movie. has Kevin J O'Connor in it, who yes. is the guy who plays Benny. That's that right. also has him in it. Uh, Little yeah. spoiler, but he's like one of the main characters who's um, he's a little bit of that. He's, he plays the same sort of character. Is he on your side or not? Is he going to sort of fuck you over bit or not? Sort of get, yeah, a bit of a weasel. Um, but that's got um, oh Treat Williams in that film. There you go. I think that might be the first time I've mentioned Treat Williams on my show. So there you go. <laughs> There you go. Hey, champagne come from the sky and bits of glitter. There you go. Treat Williams, I mentioned him. Hello, that's the national holiday. <laughs> yes, that's it. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, that film flops. So Universal then go to Stephen Summers with this film, and it just went boom. It made four hundred sixteen million dollars, you know, on an eighty million dollar budget, and it just took him crazy isn't it ground, i mean for back know. then nearly half a nearly half a billion dollars back then was just like mental money yeah but you know i mean like you know you have i mean to think about it nowadays the only sort of you know you get avengers movies that mm-hmm. make that sort of money yeah. and and more do you know what i mean like you, yeah but that's like 10 years worth of hype <laughs> exactly yeah and this is what i was saying no no one Funny thing is, no one asked for this movie. No one, no. It, it, and it just came out, and it was like the film that everybody needed, or everybody wanted to go and see, including myself. And I was just like, and like you said, it's something for everybody in this film. And I think that's why it works. And let's talk about sure? um, let's talk about Rachel Wise in this movie. Now she's really good as well. Um, oh, you know, she's, she she's she's an attractive looking woman. Um, I think she's. Now, after revisiting this film, because I know there's a trilogy and I've missed her incredibly in the third one, which we'll get into later. Mm -hmm. This is almost like um, Evie Begins. Does that sort of make sense? So she's been in a library for a long time and she wants that adventure. And she knows there's a hero in her somewhere, do you know what I mean? And then Mm -hmm. all these things happen. And I I think her character is very interesting and it's, it's... do you know what, I mean? Do you know what I find interesting about her is I feel like she has a character arc, but she's ne- she's not. It's not the kind of character arc that you see with a lot of um, films and and media and things mm. where it's this girl who doesn't really believe in herself and then she comes to realise her strength. Yeah. No, she knows her strength from the get go. Yeah. Like the first time that you meet her, she lists off all of her attributes and why she's valued yeah and you know and then later on she has that, <laughs> that wonderfully entertaining and funny and endearing drunken speech about how she might not be a world traveler but yeah i love that i am a librarian damn <laughs> right you are lady damn right you know? i love it like, when I, I love she it. She always knows her worth. She's yeah. strong from the get-go. She doesn't take rubbish from anyone. No. And it's amazing because you have such a fully developed 
female character that way. And fair play to Steve Summers for, mm-hmm. for writing such a strong woman, especially again, especially back then. It's very progressive, um, isn't know, it? For and that she time, has this character say, yeah. arc, but she doesn't. She, she, the, it, her integrity never changes. You right. know. That's right. Yeah, and and she's. You, you look at what she's mixed up in here. You know, end of the world scenario. Everybody's mm. kind of out of their above their head in water here including herself mm-hmm. and she's next to the gunslingers and the heroes and all this sort of stuff but predominantly she's saying well you need me as well because I'm going to work all this out for you because I know how to deal with this because I can read um, yeah. hieroglyphics you know, and stuff like that it, so. um, I can't remember who it was in one of the countries I worked I've got a feeling it was um, I thought a feeling it was Einar Vosloo who um, plays Imhotep yeah, um, it, is, yeah. it was either him or the guy who plays Ardeth Bay um, mm. and Anyway, so one of them, and it's, it's quite right, really, um, sort of says that it's not Rick who's the hero. It's her. Yeah. She's yeah. the one who gives them all the information. She's the one who saves him on yeah. more than one occasion, um, saves his life. Um, you know, she is the one who tells them what to do. She's the one. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she, yeah. obviously there are points where she does need to be saved and things. But she is... You know, she's the one who carries them all and brings the adventure to Rick. She she wants to find this. She wants to go there. She knows how. She knows where to find Imhotep. Do you know what I mean? Like, exactly, it's yeah. her every yep. time. Because you, you're absolutely right. A lot of the way we're talking about this now, because you look at it and you think, well, Rick went there with a whole garrison of troops and it all fucked up and he lost everybody. Mm. But he goes there with Evie, who's sort of brought in this... Uh, more intelligent let's think about this you know side to it and then they yeah. work it out but like you say with Rick O'Connell it's basically I know how to do it I'll just shoot it that's fine you know what I mean it's yeah, like yeah shoot now ask questions later he even shoots him then he gives him a shoot and he and then he tells someone later he goes oh, that's alright I sorted it out it's okay I've got him yeah <laughs> But it's no, like, you got um, this. Else. It's like the perfect example of that is when they're in the tunnels, and again, we'll get to it. But when they're yeah. in the tunnels and they come across the Americans and they all guns blaze, yeah. guns straight out, mm-hmm. and you know, and they've got their guns to each other's face and they're arguing about where they're going to dig. And yeah. she, you know, is t- paying attention to none of that. And she notices that there's actually a secret room. Um, and she literally puts her arm on his hand and yeah. lowers his gun as we find other places to dig. And it's an example there of how her intelligence yeah. will override their gunplay. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, you know, we've got to show off and here's our guns and all this kind of stuff. And actually, if you kind of take that step back and you, you know, you think about it and you to pay attention to what's around you, we can, you know, you don't need to do all of this kind of thing. And it's, it comes up quite a lot where, you know, her intelligence will actually be the way forward as opposed yes. to just sort of, you know, yeah. fighting and everything. I think that's where the, the story writing here is very good as well, isn't it? Stephen Summers um, and the screenwriters have gone, we're making an action movie, but it's it's not just a no-brainer. We've thought about these scenes. So when we're For talking sure. about we dissect it, they've actually thought about, you know, the the librarian, which is the Evie character, is the main one which is going to sort this out. And then you throw in the action because you want the action as well, don't you? Want the explosions and all that sort of stuff because it's yeah, you gotta have a movie. Um, but it's nicely layered, and I think that's why this this film is like a nice, it's like a nice cake. It's got real nice layers mm. to it, and something in there we go, oh, that's nice. Well, we got to the icing on the cake and all that sort of stuff, which is just finishing it off nicely. Yeah, yeah. You can't just um, have the icing, but you also can't just no. have the cake. You've got to have the two working together. Yeah, that's it. Um, um, 
and I think that's what we've got here and I think the icing in the candles is the um, Jerry Goldsmith score as well, do you know what I mean? The, the, that score the is brilliant, isn't it? It's just pumping, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You just think, oh, wow. You know, it just pulls you into the screen and takes you back to Egypt and you can almost feel the sand and all that sort of stuff, you know? It's just... Yeah. It has a real heat to it, doesn't it? Mm. I don't mean saucy heat, but I just mean like, you, <laughs> as you say, you can, <laughs> you can feel the... You know, you can feel those sands, you can feel the mm-hmm. hot winds, you can, you know, you get, you're just, as soon as, it's like on the Blu-ray menu, it has, I'm not going to do it, but it has like the main kind of score with the, um, yeah, I, know, I think yeah. it's brass instruments. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm just, I basically, is, I'm yeah. trying to describe it so I don't have to try and do yeah. it because no one needs to hear that. Um, but, um, you know, as soon as you hear those first, like, even to that first long note, um, do you know what I, want to, I mean? Yeah, I know the, I know the bit, yeah. Yes, okay, good. Yeah, I, I can hear, I was <laughs> um, almost going to sort of sing there, but I don't think I'll be able to put it off, but I can sort of, yeah, I know the, I know the bit you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, as think it's when as it you pans, hear that bit, you're like, right, I'm there. Yeah, that's it. I think it just sort of comes in when you see the universal sign, and then it pans mm. over the pyramid and over the sphinx. And then yeah, and the, just, the universal sign sort of changes into the sun really heavily, doesn't yeah, it? that's it. So, um but no, it's, it's great. And the other actor you've got in here as well, um, amongst others, we mentioned Arnold Vusely. Uh, you've got John Hanna mm-hmm. in this movie as well, which is... Love John Hanna. You know, he's... I think he was in a film called... I don't know if he did it before or after, Sliding Doors, around about this time. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know when Sliding Doors came out. Um, mm. I've only watched that once. It was a while back. Um, yeah, he was in... definitely 90s, because I remember Gwyneth Paltrow having real 90s hair. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> um, so he I'm, was... It might be 98. Yeah, um, I think it was kicking around. And he's obviously in Four time. Weddings and a Funeral from 94. Yeah, that's right. He's he's one um, of those actors who's, you know, when you see him on the screen, he's great. Do you know what I mean? He just, he brings something oh, to the table. Um, and it's nice where he's yeah. playing the comedic, um, I don't know how to explain sort of him comic really. relief a bit, wasn't he? He is a comic relief, but he's not ridiculously over Again, the top. Again, he's not you know just I mean? the comic relief. He's got more to him. No, he's, he's kind of like the, you know, he's just a fun guy, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's, again, he's a little bit head over his heels and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think he's... him more than anyone, you know, um, he's probably in over his head because, you know, Evie, she has her knowledge. So although it's something that she's never believed in before, like she... You know, she has the knowledge about it regardless. Rick, he's, you know, he's a natural born adventurer, he's a natural born leader. Whereas yeah. Jonathan is kind of this, a bit of a gambler, he's a bit of a drunkard, he's a bit of a scallywag kind of thing, um, pickpocketer and all that. Yeah, he's a bit um, of a pirate, isn't he, in a funny sort of way. He's got a bit of a yeah, swagger yeah, about him, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he's sort of going, I know what I'm uh, going to do, I'm going to do this. <laughs> Um, which he'd steal if it was actual gold, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and also, but yeah, not- he doesn't really have. I mean, he's knowledgeable because his parents were obviously, you know, they were intelligent and growing up with his sister and everything. You know, he's obviously got intelligence. You know, he reads the Egy- Egyptian transcripts just as much as Evie does. You know, maybe not quite as well, but mm. you know, he still do all that. So he is knowledgeable, but you know, he's decided to go like another way. And as a result, you know, when it comes to this, like he's not as he's not as prepared as like you know Evie or Rick. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, the oh I've forgotten his name now the Ardeth character um, Ardeth Bay, which Ardeth funnily enough is Bay. the pseudonym 
um, the alter ego kind of thing that Imhotep has in the original 1932 Boris Karloff's one oh. is when he's sort of like quote unquote human when he's sort of playing human that's his name um, okay. but it's a it's an anagram of death by Ra right Okay. Um, which Ra is obviously the sun god is the main god of the ancient Egyptian um, religion oh wow okay I'm just looking at that now I see that yeah okay okay just pulling um, out my year three ancient Egyptian knowledge it's great <laughs> um, amazing how much I've actually managed to retain it's about the only <laughs> but, uh, really I found it so interesting at school and I've managed to remember some of it but yeah he was like the big main one because they believed that like the sun was was a god in itself it creates everything you know and all the rest of it and and so Ra was always like the main one I think and so yeah Death by Ra um, is, is an anagram for our Death Bay he's, um, he's a great character in this as well there's a, there's a lot of um, backstory to him and his character progresses as well going into the sequel to this as well and he gets a little bit lighter yeah. doesn't he because you know Rick plays on that doesn't he you know, you know especially in the second one where he sorts his son he goes you you're in big trouble you lighting up like that isn't it do you know what I mean so it's just great you yeah know? <laughs> yeah yeah I think um he definitely gets a little bit more of a to, he gets to sort of play around a lot more in the second one um but he wasn't he was supposed to in the original script he had died in this one um but Steve Summers really just liked the actor and liked how liked oh, yeah. the character that he portrayed and they wrote in the last screen while they were on set so when later on in the film when he, you know there's that explosion in the tunnels that's he was supposed to have died then oh right okay uh, but steve summers just really liked him oh, he's... and he was he was pretty certain after he cast him or after the casting people cast him uh that he was going to be very popular i wonder why <laughs> he becomes um, a badass yeah and um he he was uh sort of kept on and they had that end scene put in last minute oh. uh, which I think works really well yeah yeah and no, I'm glad he, they kept him in he's just that great sort of sidekick character in it so and I know we're going to get into later I like the pilot in this the old dude who flies a biplane he's quite funny oh Winston um, yeah Winston he's sort of what's going on then Rick he's oh well you know save the world go and get the damsel in distress you know that's all we're going to yeah. do you know <laughs> just a normal <laughs> morning <laughs> <laughs> and as well the threat of death is like he's like um what does Rick say he says um he says oh you know there might um high risk of death it's like oh, really like he's so excited yeah that's it I'm up <laughs> for a punch face up. lights up it's really sweet and I just like a little thing it's one of the lines I just like where he's he's, he's walking through the hotel and he goes into like uh, a little puddle or something like that or into the it's water, a fountain, the fountain isn't it oh some damn fool spilt his drink <laughs> yeah. right. I just love this that so great there's so many little lines where you can like you know miss it and mm. you know it doesn't really make a difference overall but it's just it makes it just it sets apart this script from just you know any other kind of action adventure it's yeah. all these little yeah little lines and a lot of them were ad-libbed as well um you know you've got some lines by um you know Benny's lines and things were ad-libbed by Rick J O'Connor, and you know Brendan Fraser ad-libbed a few of his lines and things. Um, and it's just these like on-the-spot moments of like little genius, and it just it really works. And, I could um, imagine, yeah. It's, it's um, you can see that they're having a good time, can't you? The cast, it's you know, and I oh, think when they're so doing that, fun. just sort of, um, especially Brendan Fraser in this. You know, what I mean, I think he just found a movie where he's sort of holding his own, and you can see he's just sort of taking this on board. Um, the other thing sure, I was going to yeah. mention is it actually filmed in Morocco. 
in uh, yeah Marrakesh. Marrakesh mainly, wasn't it? Yeah. And in, and in London as well, there was sort of the the inside, the um like the set locations into like in the interior. Oh, get my words out. Yeah. Um, they were done in London, but yeah, all of the external shots were in Marrakesh and in like the deserts and stuff. And so the Marrakesh scene. So I've actually been to Marrakesh and. Um, it looks exactly like it does in the film. It's got the same really? sort of aesthetic and everything. Yeah, so um, the bit oh. when he's, which we'll get into later, when he's, it's just that bit I love when he's, his sister, Rick says to him, I tell you, I'll be seeing you again. Oh, oh, I love it. That's just it? bad. Oh, it's so good. I ain't going to lie. I, I've watched this film quite a few times in the last couple of weeks with like various commentaries and stuff. Mm. I might go and watch it again tonight. Not even, <laughs> not joking. I love it. <laughs> I will never get bored of this film. Well, um, but yeah, speaking about the Marrakesh thing, because they wanted to, you know, try because they really, again, this is another little thing that they didn't need to do, but I think it really what helps add to it is that they tried to be as authentic as they possibly could um you know it came to like language and stuff and they wanted to film in egypt um but apparently they weren't allowed to because it was too um dangerous dangerous politically um but they even in marrakesh they had to take out kidnapping insurance on the mm, actors yeah. um you know in case yeah in case they got kidnapped basically and they didn't tell the actors until after they shot so that they wouldn't worry them um, <laughs> but yeah it's crazy isn't it yeah i know it's, it's funny because i read that i thought kidnapping insurance i thought i've been to marrakesh i didn't realize that <laughs> i was like oh shit but i think it's because um because they're like you know celebrities and stuff like oh yeah, if we get a celebrity so, yeah. and then how much will the american government pay for them back that kind of thing you know <laughs> uh, i mean not that you're not valuable oh i don't know, you know yeah not that we wouldn't pay hand over fist for you you know obviously when's the last time you saw RJ oh a couple of years ago yeah he went to Marrakesh and seen him yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah guess the guy must really liked it you know so <laughs> oh, oh okay man. cool well I guess we'll see him in a bit then yeah this is it oh dear you're there like you know handcuffed to some pipe and <laughs> get, getting fed gruel and yeah, things like, why is it. no one coming my hair my hair's gone long and yeah I'm in some yeah that's to... it that's it. me. You just need uh, need Evie to come and bail you out. That's it. Lady, <laughs> get me the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh. It's so great. And that, that kiss and everything. Yeah, it's just like, it. oh, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> oh, it was just one kiss, wasn't it? You know, so, oh, man. Right then. All right, and Kate, so um, shall we do a bite sized review of this film then? We go for it. Let's do it. Okay, Let's so. The film starts off with the Universal logo and it's got like a sort of like Egyptian theme to it because it's all like you've got the sunshine and then it pans down onto the ancient city of uh, Thebes. I think it's Thebes, isn't it, Kate? Yes. Yep. So so we've gone back to Thebes uh, 3,000 years and it basically gives you a building block of um, our main sort of character in this being um, Imhotep who is a high priest and he's basically getting a little bit frisky with the um, pharaoh's prisoner in that son of a moon yeah the lovely enough son of moon with uh, with her body paint that's right yeah with her body paint which uh, gave me a little bit of a twitch back in the day I must admit <laughs> watching this <laughs> well that was genuine body paint that wasn't like a costume or anything she was literally she had a loincloth and some jewellery and that was it right um so fair play to the actress. Tell you what, body confidence or what? Oh, I can say that. I'm sure that to do a couple of takes with that. I'm sure. <laughs> 
So yeah, you, oh, oh no, we, we, we screwed. Can you just walk back? Can you walk back through again? Would that be that be right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. We'll just take that shot again. We'll just do just do a wide wide pan angle lens on that. So do a wide uh, shot. If you could do it more slowly, if you could walk more slowly. Yes. Just, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. You sure you want me to do this again? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So we've got yeah, like I say, you got um, uh, Imateb, the next moon. They're having an affair. Um, uh, the king finds out about this. He's unhappy about it, and then this is where you get like a, um, a scene where he goes to. He finds the he well, he, he catches them, doesn't he? Because her body paint is uh, is smeared from where um, Imateb got a little bit lusty with his with his hand on her arm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. And um, he gets and upon uh, realization they they go stabby stab stabs. Yeah, he gets seized by the guards, doesn't he? And then he gets taken back to Hamanatra, which is the key part mm-hmm. to this movie. So you see Hamanatra back in the day in all its glory. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. That was all um, built on set. It was built on um, on an extinct volcano. Oh, was it? All of that. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, out in the Sahara. Oh, okay. Um, I think. Right. I don't know. I mean, I know nothing about geography, so there'd be someone out there going, "You don't get volcanoes in Sahara," but wherever it was, it was on top of an extinct volcano. I think the Sa- Sahara yeah. would possibly make sense for that. So, um, yeah, I'm so pants at geography. Oh no, so I know they filmed it in Morocco, so they're in the right. Yeah, right they location. filmed a lot of it in Marrakesh, didn't they? Marrakesh, that's right. So, yeah. um, so you get Imhotep. He gets. Um, he gets basically gets done over in a word, doesn't he? Really, so because of his love affair, uh, yeah. he, gets, he gets tortured. He gets his tongue cut out. All of his high yeah, priests he gets his tongue out. He gets his eyes taken out. The high priest, the other priests um, as well, like his um, his fellow priest in the temple, they get taken out as well, so they get punished. So they all get wrapped up. Yeah, in they get mummified alive. Mummified. Um, and then he's got the was it like the curse, isn't it? The deadly curse, and obviously you've got the hum die. Yeah, the hum die. Um, I, I can't remember what that sort of translates to in English, but yeah, it's called the hum die, and, and it's essentially like he's um, he has this horrendous death, and he's never. I, I think it's like he just he goes to the underworld, but if he's ever resurrected, then basically all hell breaks loose. The world's going to pay for it, isn't it? And then you've got as um, yeah, got to mention you've got Ardef Bay, haven't you? Doing the narration here, haven't you? Um, and he's That's very right, yeah. He's very deep, isn't he? He's like, if he returns, he shall unleash hell on the world, and you know, it's just like it's yeah, proper yeah, deep, exactly. isn't it? He gets real dramatic with it. But I mean, in fairness, <laughs> when we see how it unfolds, it's not unwarranted. I don't. I don't no, know. it's not. If anything, he should be more dramatic. Like, yeah. Pose it more. <laughs> if if Rick O'Connell was there on the narration, he'll be saying, "You need to lighten up, our death, right? Okay, just lighten up, man. Right, just chill, chill, <laughs> yeah. chill." I'm like, that's all right. I got him. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I've got him. I shot him. So, um, so there you go. So he's been he's been buried uh, three thousand years, and then we we go forwards three thousand years to um, Hamanatra. It's now like a dilapidated temple, and then we're introduced to our main hero here, aren't we? Uh, Rick O'Connell is in a spot of bother here with his uh, yeah, Legion friends. Yeah, Rick O'Connell. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just saying, I was kind of putting him in the same vein as like Indiana Jones or like Han Solo or like, do you know what I mean? Or like Captain Mal Reynolds or something. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of cowboy yeah. sort of, you know, ask, you know, shoot first, ask questions later sort of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chappy, adventurous sort of bloke. Do you know what I mean? Like he kind of 
all of that. Yeah, because when I first watched this, um, I was completely sold with Brendan Fraser. And as we said earlier in the show, he wasn't your typical action hero. But straight away, when I saw him with a gun, no. you know, he's he's totally, you know, you're with me on this one. And I just thought, yeah, he's, he's going to pull this off. He's going to be pretty good for this film. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because Benny goes like, your strength gives me strength. And it's like, that would be true if Benny wants to weasel and a coward. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you can imagine that um, Rick is like, it's a very inspiring sort of leader. He sort of gets thrown into that role because their actual leader, he also bails. Um, so Rick kind of just has this face of like, well, I, I guess I'm in charge then. Yeah, right then, it. lads, let's go. That's <laughs> so, it. And he just sort of steps right up to it, doesn't he? Yeah, you've just been promoted, isn't it? He says, yeah, okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> And the other thing, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> the other thing I like about this scene as well is it's it's very much like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you basically got the, oh, the totally, best yeah. the best part of the movie, like the, the climatic final um, here, where you've got Legion, you know, the Legionnaires fighting the Arabs mm-hmm. over the uh, mm-hmm. you know temple and that. But it's just the beginning of the film, isn't it's it? So you've got a really a good action scene. It's such a great scene because, like, you know, straight away we've got, I mean, we've already had, like, we've already had, like, a sort of torture scene and a bit of horror and a bit of, ooh, you know, suspense and all that. And then we're going straight into this scene and it, it doesn't let up. It's like this awesome um, sort of horse battle guns yeah. and uh, there's this really great bit I like where um, Rick sort of has the bullet in his teeth to reload and apparently uh, Brendan Fraser thought of that on the day because he was like how am I going to do this quickly oh I know <laughs> that is a cool scene I'm um, glad, but it really I'm, works and just like I'm glad you brought that up that is a really, really cool, cool scene it? yeah and, funny um, enough yeah 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 it's so cool and it's just um, you know with all the sand everywhere and you've got all the ruins everywhere and you know you've got the war cries and the horses and the gunshots yeah. and you know it's it's just really cool way to kind of open up the movie after the sort of you know the first bit you film really just is such great pacing yeah so like you say you've got like a nice uh, building block like the layer of a cake isn't it you know you've got all these layers you've got the you know who the bad guy is going to be in this film now you're introduced to the hero and he is, you know, out of his mm-hmm. depth, depth fear, in trouble. He's that. It's just like he's that sort of character. So you, you're almost getting a bit of a backstory here for him as well. You can imagine this happens to Rick O'Connell a lot. I say it just it got, there was a bit of a backstory, but it got cut. Oh right, um, okay. Did you know that? Sorry, no, I didn't, that know that. I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know there was a backstory that was cut. Yeah, there was a bit more of a backstory about um, Benny's and Rick's sort of, you know, history together and why he's fighting with the French um, French Foreign Region and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they didn't really think that it was necessary for the plot. And they felt like they got within that in that little moment of, you know, Rick stepping up to the plate and, and Benny buggering off, basically. They kind of felt like literally in just those two bits, they got everything that they needed yeah. to explain yeah. the characters and their dynamic and who they were. Um, and I think that's totally right. You know, it's, it'd be interesting to see, but it, I don't think it is needed. And I think that little dynamic there is, is so clear. Um, you don't really need anything else. Because I didn't know that. It's funny how I just said, I feel like you've already kind of know their backstory, that they're always getting themselves into trouble. And Benny's like the cowardly character that is attracted yeah. to the stronger type who he's going to hang around with just to survive. Oh, he definitely is that sort of person, isn't he? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yes, master. Hmm, like all this sort of stuff. Isn't it? <laughs> he's a cringy little character mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. And we'll see that later with him and him, won't we? Because like, but he's such a little... 
there's this really like you know obviously we'll get to it but there's this really great bit where later on he sort of like gives him he sort of piss takes Imhotep a little bit under his breath like well not even under his breath but it's it's quite blatant but he just he knows that Imhotep probably won't speak English yeah and so he's just like oh fuck it you ain't gonna you ain't gonna, <laughs> you, know. You ain't gonna know what I'm saying anyway like, <laughs> so he doesn't really have any uh, loyalty it's just whoever's like the biggest bully in the playground oh yeah ground in there so so Rick's garrison's been taken out. He's pretty much last man standing. You've got the Magi, which are overseeing this. Mm-hmm. And then you're introduced to like a bit of a horror scene here where this this surprised me when I first watched it, where you've got the face of um, Imhotep that comes out from the sand and is chasing Rick around the temple. So that's it's iconic, cool. isn't it? It is, yeah. It's very good. Yeah, like, yeah. It's so cool because um, that was... That- the thing that I saw on the on the videotape cassette with my mum mm. um, was that that big face they used on so much of the posters and then like you, you see all the, the flames and you see Rick and all that to it that was the thing that really drew me was that mummy face coming out of the sand it's just it's so powerful yeah alright the CGI may not necessarily hold up so, no, so but- well now but Back then, I was I was blown out of my socks. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, so was I. I was a very happy RJ uh, back in 1999 watching this at the cinema. Yeah, the, the, oh, so I was going to say, the sands flying up, they yeah. were all practical effects. They were all done by bowling balls. Oh yeah, oh, okay, that's clever. All right, so a little bit of practical special effects here in this, so that's clever. Now being, he's now realised that there's, the shit is basically going down at Happenatra every time he goes there. Um, he's lost his garrison, there's a curse there, there's something in the sand. And then he's left mm-hmm. to go out into the desert, and then the Magi, well, we find out that the Magi later, protecting the temple, mm-hmm. realise they're kind of overseeing him and they're kind of thinking, mm. they mention that he's a strong character. So they kind of, it's almost like a bit of a prophecy there, isn't it? That they know this guy is something special. So they let fate take its line, then they just let him go out into the desert and see what happens. Yeah, they think. That the sands are, that the desert will probably kill him, and then like later on they say like, oh, he's strong this one because yeah. not only is he survived Hamanatra, but he's also survived the desert. Yeah. Um, and it's quite funny those two scenes there. Mm. I was so annoyed. Well, I mean, I say annoyed. I was also really impressed, but also just like, fuck, oh, you know, they have um, they're exactly the same scene. They are the same shots, just used twice. Right. One shot in the day, and then one with this kind of technique where they put the filter over it so it looks like nighttime. Yeah. Because what they wanted to do is they wanted to add in that the Magi weren't part of this battle going on. They wanted to show that he was that they were separate, and so they just used the exact same shot, but they put different subtitles over it. But right, if, if you go back okay. and listen to the two scenes, it's exactly the same thing being said, but the subtitles are just totally different. just equal parts impressed and annoyed by that. <laughs> It's a it's a cheap sort of horror. I don't want to say cheap because it is it's not obviously not a cheap scene, but it's not like a cheap trick, isn't it, in Hollywood where they can cleverly use two scenes yeah. without the audience realising it. I never knew that until I, you said it. It just so. blows my mind. Yeah, I know it just it blows my mind. I was like, what? What the hell? But yeah. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so um, we now go to the city yeah, of Cairo, um, don't we? Evie now, don't we? Yeah, and she's in the library, and she's in a place where you would love to be. I'd imagine surrounded by books in a library with um, high stacking. <gasps> Honestly, shelves Evie speaks to me on such a level. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine because I know you like your books. So, <laughs> um, like she. Oh my gosh, you know, in a bit, like she gets told that she has to like tidy up the books and stuff. It's punishment for what happens, and I'm mm. like punishment that's amazing i'll do it yeah that's it yeah yeah punishment you've got to go and work in the library like you say and tidy up the books oh okay 
And um, she's 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 a stunning looking lady as well, isn't she? You know, with her with her glasses and that. She's kind of beautiful. Got that she? sort of... She's, this whole cast is just ridiculous. It is, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very sexy looking cast. Like everyone. Isn't it? <laughs> everyone. You got the villain. You've got Arda. You've got Rachel. You've got you know Ben uh, Brendan Fraser. Even even back in the day, I had a bit of a weird crush on John Hanna. I don't know what it was, but I just. I just had a bit of a crush on him. So, like, for me, it was, like, literally everyone in this cast is just... Yeah, I, <laughs> I'd imagine it's because, like I say, John Hannah is quite a, he is a fun character in this, isn't he? And in a way, he does hold his own yeah. and he brings something different to the table. So he's not he's not, he's not a complete buffoon, is he? He's just, he's just a guy that... He's a bit no, of a, he's smart. He's a bit of a sort of socialite, isn't he? He's Do you know what I mean? He's just um, a bit of a scoundrel. He yeah. doesn't have the sort of... The, the focus, I think, that Evie does, but he just sort of cruises and he kind of just like hops along and kind of gets on with it and stuff but he's just a bit of a scoundrel yeah that's it yeah that's <laughs> but lovable he's a lot he's a, he is kind of like a lovable sort of roguey sort of character who's enjoying this adventure as well yeah. so so then you get that uh, funny yeah. scene now don't you where she basically takes out the whole library and it goes down like a stack of cards doesn't it oh my god yeah this whole domino effect that is just that upsets me. I'm not going to lie. Mm. That all of those there was twelve thousand books set up. It took an entire day to set up, and they had to do it in one shot. Otherwise, they'd be behind with shooting because it would take another day to set up and yeah. do it again. And luckily, they did get it all done in one shot. But it's brilliant. She just sort of stands up in the in the midst of all of this chaos and just goes, "Oops!" Oops. <laughs> and then we're introduced to the. Um... Yeah curator now aren't we who comes in and he says oh you know what I, I prefer mm-hmm. it if I had a load That's of right. lo- locusts and you know the plagues of Egypt would be easier to deal with yeah 10 plagues and aren't as bad as you kind of thing yeah which is like a um, bit of a it's a really clever bit of exposition isn't it yeah yeah because he's basically foreshadowing what's going to happen later on in the movie isn't he so which is very clever so we get to find out a bit about her yeah and you find out that she's part of is it the Benbridge Scholars she wants to um, pursue her career and but she's been rejected by the Benbridge scholars um, yeah. because she hasn't had enough experience in the field which as we know is all about to change so it's kind of a bit so yeah she's been told you've got to go to Egypt and you've got to go and resurrect a mummy and then we might consider your application yeah and go for all this you know <laughs> then you might have some experience but you know we'll get back to you <laughs> we'll get back to you so make sure you get that on your CV end of the world type sort yeah, of get stuff that yeah same yeah, if you um, could just save the world for us, we'll yeah. be cool. Cheers. <laughs> well, we, well, then we might just consider it then, so we'll see. So we get a scene now, again, it's like that, it throws you into a bit of a horror vibe where she goes down into like the crypt. Yeah. And then Jonathan comes out with a mummy, doesn't he? And you get a bit of a jump scare. I've I got a jump scare out of this one. Yeah, first it's great. It. It's a cheap, bit of a cheap jump scare, but it does work well. Yeah, unless you... Steve Summers, he's like, he threw some jump scares in there and none of them are particularly original, but they do work well. I think because you're not... It's not really a horror film, is it? It's like an action adventure, so you're not expecting it so much. No, but they, there are hidden elements of horror in there, isn't there? Like the, the cheap little something's yeah. in the corner and you can't see it, or something's in the shadow, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's subtle, it's subtle. So then we're introduced to another leading plot of this movie where he's been to Thebes and he's basically stolen this little trinket, isn't he, from... As we find out, Rick O'Connor. Yeah, but he tells her he, he found it at a dig. Oh, he yeah. Say, he doesn't say where he actually got it, but he tells her, I've got it and dig down in Thebes. This is where he's... <clears throat> a dig in a pocket, I that's... reckon. A dig in a pocket. <laughs> just, just happened to find it. Yeah, that's it. So, and then um, it opens up yeah. 
and it's all very sort of it's a little bit like um it kind of reminds me a little bit of hellraiser with the sort of the box you yeah know, yeah up. opening up of the box kind of thing unleashes or like yeah so it, i don't know if there's just it. a little bit of a clive barker reference there possibly the map itself it sort of reminds me of something out of like you know the goonies or whatever yeah exactly yeah that's it so you've got the goonies you've got a bit of uh, hellraiser clive barker all that sort of stuff you've got a treasure map in this film which is always good isn't it so you've now got um always fun to have and then they take it to the crater don't they and this is a funny scene where he's like basically oh you know it's only just a map and then he just accidentally burns the important part off with a can yeah he sort of um blows off hamanaptra as a bit of a myth and it's a bit of a hokum sort of fairy tale kind of thing yeah um and he starts to burn off part of the map that kind of pertains to hamanaptra and um it's not so so it's like it's not like he's oh i've just done this by accident it's like it's just i'm just holding it up to the candle oh my gosh look at that it's that light oh who knew <laughs> who knew fire was flammable shut yeah <laughs> it's it's the worst bit of acting in the film isn't it oh, oh i've just accidentally done that Oops. i don't even think it's i think it's supposed to be done like that i don't think it's necessarily i think it is supposed to be done like that yeah that's right that's what i mean yeah even try and conceal yeah. it from evie and jonathan he's just like oh whoops <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> it's funny isn't it? It's, it in its own right it's just funny isn't it the way that turns out so yeah there's lots of moments like that where the humor is very subtle but it's mm. definitely there it's, it's good when you catch it so because of the maps being burnt this isn't the end of the road because he then you then find out that the person that's going to lead him to Hamanatra is going to be Rick O'Connell who's been having he's been having a bit of a good time with some belly dancers isn't he over these three years of him being in the desert funny sort of freeway scene here don't you where uh Rick O'Connell she's she's basically saying about this map and he's, he's he's basically saying no 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 you want to go to Hamanatra, doesn't he? You know, he's basically, he, he sees straight through them, doesn't he? You want to go and find the gold? That's what you want to do. So he just lands one right on her because he entices her in and he's like, you know, she wants to know where Hamanatra is. like, you really want to know? And he sort of beckons her and she gets real close and, and he just sort of grabs her by the face and just lands one on her lips. And yeah. now he's like, then get me the hell out of here. That's it. <laughs> um, and that's obviously and made it's, a- just, it's so cheeky in that, but... It's made a big impression on her, isn't it? He's about to be hanged. So. Yeah, that's it. Seems seem yeah, like a good idea. It definitely made an impression. I mean, yeah. it would do. I mean, even when he's all scraggly looking with his, you know, George of the Jungle hair and all of that. I mean, still Brendan Fraser in it. Look at yeah, him. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> it. There you go. So he's 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 gonna he's about to get hanged. So you've now got a scene now where he's on the block. Evie takes this opportunity. He doesn't she to haggle? Yes, and she haggles with the. He's like a, a comedian guy, isn't he? Um, with the warden. The warden, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the guy who plays him is a is a British comedian. He's, yeah, he's called. Uh, I've got his name. It's a his first name's Omid, and it's a little bit. Um, Charlie, it's isn't it? Omid. Pronounced it's like a Jilly or something. A Jilly, yeah, that's right. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. J- uh, Jalili. Yeah, Omid Jalili, I think, or Jalili. Apologies if I'm completely putting out something wrong, but yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, they haggle, don't they? Yeah, whilst Rick is like hanging on the noose, uh, they're going sort of twenty percent, twenty five percent, and she gets there in the end, doesn't she, with it? So, um, and they have this really great back and forth where they're haggling on percentages, and she goes thirty percent, and then he goes twenty five, and she's like, "Aha, yeah, yeah. deal." And he's like, it takes him a minute, doesn't it, to realise what he said, and he's like, "Oh." <laughs> he, he, he still does um, that sort of. Ah, yeah. damn. <laughs> yeah. All right then. So they've agreed, and so he gets let let loose, doesn't he? Yeah, 
And then you get a scene now where um, she's, Evie's basically paid all this money for him. And she's basically talking about him, isn't she? He's about to get onto this boat. And she's kind of like putting him down just a little bit. Oh, no, he's not really my type. I don't think he'd be my type and all that. And then Rick turns up and sort of says, anybody I know? And he's all clean shaven, isn't he? He's had his hair yeah, cut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's looking very sort of handsome and no, Yeah, and he's all like looking real suave and yeah. pretty fit. And she's totally drinking him in, isn't she? She's like, oh, hey, completely gives him the up-down. Not only am I thinking about that kiss, I'm now feeling slightly attracted to this guy now, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he scrubs up well, doesn't he? Yeah, this is it. He um, certainly does. Yeah, and then... Uh, so yeah, so then we've got the warden also coming along because he wants to protect his investment, make sure that they don't welch on the deal. Yeah, that's it. Um, which everyone's annoyed about. Oh God, this guy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's got another... I think Evie does. She goes, oh no, not you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> this sort of comic relief character they've got with him now. So now you get this... Um, yeah, yeah. Like I say, this movie just runs a really good pace and now you've got like another... Well, it's leading up to another action scene and introduction to some more characters. Yeah. You're on the, you're, you get onto the boat, don't you? This uh, Nile boat. It kind of reminds me of um, Agatha Christie's uh, sort of Death on the Nile. You know, that sort of... Kind Death of on like the Nile, a, yeah. Aesthetic. I was literally going to say, yeah. Yeah. Expecting Hercule Poirot to um, turn up And we something. meet the Americans, don't we, who are also trying to find Hamanaptra. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they're very sort um, of... Um, sort of gung-ho, aren't they? Very sure of themselves. Um, kind of like Rick O'Connell in a way, isn't it? One of them is kind of like a Rick yeah, O'Connell character, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, funnily enough, the guy who... So I think I know... Uh, in my notes, I've called him Cowboy American. Yeah, um, okay, that's cool. And because he's just very, as you say, very gung-ho. Yeah. And um, he, if it's one thing with he was the guy... Uh, he originally auditioned for Rick. Um, and although obviously he didn't get the part, they really liked him and so brought him back for this role instead. Yeah, that's um, it. Really and, and they they sort of talk about they they kind of have a bet going on with Jonathan, Jonathan, of, who can get to Hamanapcha first for a bit, and say, "Oh well, funny that." And like Rick just knocks it and doesn't he like <laughs> keep a poker face. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, he knows his stuff Jonathan. on the table, doesn't he? Doesn't have a lot of money. Maybe he do, he's a bit of a scoundrel because he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't really have a very good poker face. He doesn't really know how to play people. He just sort of <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> well, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, you get a scene now, don't you? Is this where Rick O'Connell bumps into Benny now? Um, and he pulls him out, doesn't he? Uh, I love it when he just goes, well, if it isn't my little friend Benny. And he goes, well, if it ain't my little buddy Benny. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's it. I think I, I think I might just kill you now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so you, you're introduced. So, so you've got the Americans. You've got, um, like I say, Jonathan, who can't keep his mouth shut. Evie's still thinking about that kiss, isn't she? Do you know what I mean? And she's now doing her hair. And you kind of got that... Again, you get another flip of a horror scene yeah. here, don't you? Where you, you've got that scene where the, the mirror on the cupboard opens. And I, I get this sometimes when I... If this is what's caused me cinema trauma. When I'm in the bathroom. As if... Then someone's there in the background, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? That would just shit me up. <laughs> Yeah, I have that as well. Duck down and then you come back up, you're like, oh. <laughs> Especially if you just got out of the shower or something and you just wipe off all the sort of it's condensation. All, just sort of steam. Yeah, if you wipe it off and then suddenly there's something there or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I just hope no one's going to be behind me because that happens in every bloody horror scene, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or someone starts writing something on the condensation. <laughs> 
There is a guy there, and then this follows on your first action scene. Well, a action scene on the boat, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so we got because what happens is we've got the Magi, they've come on they've come on deck, they've come to the boat to try and get the map in the key, um, to stop them from getting to Hamanaptra. And Rick's seen this, he's seen their like wet footprints on the deck. Um, so he sort of rushes to Evie's aid, uh, which is where she's in like sees the, the Magi in the mirror and stuff. And and um and a candle gets knocked over which is why these flames start but these flames are like insane because they're real flames on set they're not they're not done by cgi or, or pro they're proper flames yeah and steve summers the director would get really freaked out because there's this one bit where there's like explosion and brendan fraser got like way too close to the flames. like it's more than even brendan fraser meant to um and he got really close and there was a moment where steve was like oh my god what's just happening <laughs> Honestly, Brendan Fraser's just putting himself at risk frequently in this. Uh, in this, but it seems to be something that he kind of does do. He sort of goes all in. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's, but it looks amazing. It looks so good. So it's it's like he almost died, isn't it, on set? You know what I mean? He's either going to get hung or you know burnt alive he's or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is uh, it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you can always tell when it's real, like fire, not CGI. But I'm glad they used the real pyrotechnic stuff. It works really well. Um, so yeah, so you like you say you got the fight in there between the Magi. You sort of think the Magi are the bad guys, but they're actually not, are they? They're actually the good guys, just trying to stop people from unleashing. Ultimately, what happens a little bit later on in the movie, isn't it, with um, Imhotep resurrecting? Um, you get a separation now, don't you, between Benny and Rick yeah. O'Connell and Evie, don't you? Which is uh, a scene that we love, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, what we did at the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I did. Uh, I did actually cut that in from the last time we spoke about this, Kate, hint in. We'll talk about it at the end of, <laughs> end of the episode. <laughs> oh, mate, honestly. But yeah, it's great. And it's such a, this film has so many quotable moments. Yeah. And this, I think, you know, for us and also Dan, you know, we, we say this all the time, don't yeah. we? I don't know how this manages to come up in conversation so often, but we manage it, don't we? Yeah, it's just great. <laughs> oh, man. It's so great. Um, so yeah, so we established that uh, yeah, Rick, Ricky's on the right side of the river, but Bentley has all the horses. Yeah, that's it. You're on uh, the wrong side okay. of the river. <laughs> do you want to do it again? Oh, go on then. Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> all right. Do you want me to do the first? Do you want me to be Benny? Go on. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Hey, O'Connell. Looks to me like I've got all the horses. Hey, Benny. Looks like you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, oh. So childish, but I love it. There you go, it turns Kate. out it's not too bad because they go and get camels, don't they? Yep, and the camels, I, I never realised. I don't know whether it's just uh, fantasy for the movie, but they, they've got a stride to them, haven't they? They can go at a pace with that sort of wiki kiki. I think so. I, think so. I don't really know much about camels. No, I don't. I, don't. No. I, I know that they're, they're, they're stubborn animals. I know that they smell and I know that they spit, and that's yep. about as far as it goes. I have, I've been on a camel, but I've never, I don't really know. Was that when you went to Marrakesh? Uh, You've been there, haven't you? I've been to Marrakesh, I've, I've been to Egypt as well, so I think it was when I went to Egypt I went on a camel, but... Wow. Uh, yeah, but didn't go as fast as they, well, they do in this film, so... There's a lot. Yeah. Well, apparently the camels were a nightmare, like, Brendan Fraser was the only one who got on well with his camel, he called him Barney, cute. That's cool, no? Um, and, but in particular, um, Kevin J. O'Connor, who, who plays Benny, um, he just famously didn't get on with his, his camel, and, like, they didn't like each other at all. And the scene near the end, where he's, like, 
trying to pull the camel along with the treasure that wasn't necessarily scripted with him having so much trouble but the camel wouldn't budge so they kept it in for sort of comedy because it just it looked really funny yeah. but it's he is genuinely struggling to get this camel to do anything so. oh, man. <laughs> um but yeah uh, but it's a good scene this because you've got um you've got like this i mean first off you've got these beautiful sands absolutely gorgeous there's this whole kind of like montage where they're traveling through um sands and yeah. then you've got this gorgeous sky um which they actually put in post but it if you if you haven't noticed it before next time you ever watch have a look because it's beautiful like oranges and purples and pinks yeah and then on top of that you have this sort of mirage don't you yeah that's out. right i like that the, sand, it? the sun rises and the sun hits and what I like about that is it, it brings in a bit of plausibility because you do have mirages and you do have these images that turn up like that in the desert where people think they found a, 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 a lake like or something. Like an oasis. Like that. Like yeah, a, an oasis. A lake yeah, or something, it. yeah. Um, so I kind of like that. So that brings in a bit of plausibility and, and a little bit of uh, magic as well to the film. So that's, that's a very cool Yeah, because it's like you can only find Hamanaptra. Hmm. literally at this one moment if you're not there then it's not there for you i love it i think it and it doesn't ever explain it and i don't think it needs to i think it's really cool that you're left to sort of you know try and work out oh does it mean this and what does this mean you know that kind of thing yeah that's um, right i think yeah. it, it, it works really well and again you have so this is the scene this is the scene that i was talking about where you have the magi sort of watching rick and going ah oh, he's strong this one and they say this same thing it's the same bit um it's fine i'll, I'll get i'm getting over it um and um and yeah the americans are there now as well so they've sort of all meet up and watch the watch the mirage appear before them um and then they kind of have this great moment where they sort of snap themselves out of this kind of like this transfix of watching hamanaptor appear um, and they're like right there's a race let's go kind of thing don't yeah they? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because the Americans like betting, don't they? You know, they're betting guys, mm -hmm. and like I say, now there's a race to get there, isn't it? And uh, yep. you get you get Benny, don't you? He's trying to sort of pull Rick off his um, camel as well, don't you? And then it all goes he's wrong. Such him, not, yeah, yeah. He's such a not, yeah, such a twat. And like um, in this, it, it's really funny because obviously the irony is, is that you know Rick is far stronger than he yeah. is, and so Rick just one arm just reaches over and just throws him off. That's so <laughs> Any of his camel instead. It's just such a funny scene, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Just like, what were you doing? There, yeah. what did you, how did you think that that was going to end? <laughs> and then, but um, yeah, Kevin actually got um, got proper trampled by the, like. Well, he almost he didn't actually, but he almost got trampled by the camels on oh, did he? real life as oh, well. Right, cause okay. it was, yeah, because it was really narrow. Bless Man, jeez. And then you got um, uh, Evie now, haven't you? He, like, say she starts doing that wicked kicky, didn't she? And then she just. Goes off She's so pleased with herself, and then all of a sudden the camel sort of lurches, and she doesn't look so sure anymore, does she? <laughs> so, <laughs> and then you got a funny shot here with Rick, who's got this sort of smile on his face, isn't he? When he sees Evie, it's almost like he's sort of laughing to himself, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very sweet, so because she's kind of she's in this this because she's she's um, lost all of her clothes, and she was in a nightgown um, when when they sort of you know abandoned the boat hmm. um so they she had to go and buy new all new clothes and she's in this really gorgeous kind of sheer material black yeah. and it's she's got a sort of mask over her her face apart from her eyes and her eyes are so beautiful yeah she's um, um in one of the commentaries that's literally how arnold Vosloo, um who plays imitap describes like oh, rachel has amazing eyes um and so uh, so you know rick is all like 
you know, she was like, oh, hey, and now he's all like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. We kind of a bit of a mutual appreciation. When I think about it now, the film is very sort of, in a way, sort of cartoonish, in a way. Do you know what I mean? The characters, you know, Rachel Wise is like that sort of Disney princess and just oh she's a, yeah she's a disney princess you know I mean? incarnate in this like yeah. you know and, he, 100%. and even rick with um his features even as an actor as brendan fraser back then he was kind of like that sort of square jawed sort of hero um sort of character and the other definitely f- the other thing i this film reminds me of and i know this is going to sound crazy i don't know if you remember ducktales um it was I like, do. I never saw it. I never saw it, but it was. It was because um, you know, cause you are a couple of years older than me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think for me, it was. It came out just too early. And of course, obviously, we didn't have the internet or or anything like that. So, but it's not like I could just sort of catch so up with it. Scrooge McDuck with his little cousins would be in this situation where they'd go and look for treasure, and there was a a pilot duck, which is kind of like your Rick O'Connell. I can't remember what his name was now. Runway or something like that. Some 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 sort of heroic name. Um, but yeah, Someone just thinking of it. Sure. Yeah, some 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 uh, kind of. It, it's got the same sort of feeling to it. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> I don't right. want that thought. That thought just oh, came into my cool. mind. I was I'll sure to, no, no, I'll, I'll have to check that out now. Check it out. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. yeah. So you've got elements of oh, ducktails. Well. Um, cool. So yeah. So they're now at Hamanapter, aren't they? Yeah, they're at Hamanaptra, and that's it. And um, I like what Rick says here. And this is another quote that I come out and say on a day-to-day basis sometimes. I go, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, here we go again. In fact, that's what, like, I, he's that's, just... that's what I say when I go to work sometimes. Here we go again. <laughs> so, oh, me, I bet. Yeah. Oh, I'm like this every single time Ava wakes up at two in the morning. Oh, yeah. here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> Yeah, and um, we've got everyone sort of like digging around and trying to sort of find their way into the tombs and whatnot. And we, you know, um, we kind of meet this guy, Dr. Chamberlain, who's played by the awesome Jonathan Hyde. Yeah, that's right. Like Jumanji, Jumanji and Anaconda yeah, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, right. um, and he's a bit sneery about her because they're off digging somewhere else. And he's like, oh, they're led by a woman. Mm. What does a woman know? Yes. Um, and it turned out quite a bit because Evie gives us this whole exposition about like the statues and the location of the Book of Amun-Ra and all of this kind of thing. Um, and she also works out. So they end up inside the tomb and it ends up being the the mummification room that we saw all the priests and, and Imhotep be um, sort of buried alive in. Yeah. And um, he and she uses these ancient mirrors um, so she sort of catches the sunlight with one and then because of their positions, it lights up the whole room and she does this great line of like, and then there was light. Yeah, it's and great. the whole room sort Love of shines. It. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's so cool, isn't it? And it's a very clever, again, plausible um, device, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You could actually see that working. It, I think it was genuine. Yeah. Um, they really tried hard to, to make as much of it as authentic as possible. Like mm. the language that they speak, for example, they got a real professor of linguistics to come in and you sound out like sort of translate what they needed into ancient Egyptian or because obviously it's a dead language yeah um, so he sort of did his best with that and and they had this the actors who were speaking it had to sort of learn the phonetics of it he wrote it out in phonetics so they didn't know what the actual words were um but they just sort of sounded it out um so every now and then Steve Summers the director would sort of like change things up because he likes 
to the way it sounds it would really annoy them because <laughs> they'd have to relearn the whole thing because yeah. it was done phonetically um, but, but yeah they tried to pay as much attention as, poss as possible so I think that that trick there that they've sort of they've done I think is a genuine thing from from back when oh right okay I might need to go and look that up so yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're always going to need the sunshine on a cloudy day you'll be screwed I don't suppose that yeah, you would, much in you Egypt. Would. But I don't really think they get many cloudy days in Egypt. No, no, no. no or no. even in Egypt. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so, um, and then they kind of, they continue, don't they? They continue on. Um, yeah, they come across. It's like Indiana Jones now, isn't it? Like, uh, the Americans. The, yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, it all goes Indiana Jones from now on, doesn't it? You know, you've got your, you got your flames and your um, fire sticks. And like I say, yeah, they come in. They come across the Americans now, don't they? Um, so is this a scene now where they have a little bit of a standoff with each other, and then Evie's trying to sort of say, "Come on, boys, That's behave right. yourself," which is quite cool. Yeah, exactly. And Evie, again, you know, sort of saves the day because she's she's not got a gun, you know, um, and she's looking around and she sort of sees that there's something underneath and she sort of puts her hand on Rick's arm and lowers his gun and says, you know, somewhere else. It's worth saying earlier, you know, um, in this sort of intro, is that, you know, she sort of calms the situation down. Yeah. Um, and there's this really great bit because the cowboy American goes, this is, this is our statue friend. And then Brendan Fraser turns around and he's like, I don't see your name written on it, pal. Uh -huh. And it just kind of reminds me of that bit in South Park. It's like, I'm not your buddy friend. I'm not your friend, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I think of that bit. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but yeah, and just a bit on there, like um, the flick, because again, the flames are all real and, um, uh, oh, I think this might, might have been later on actually because um, our death isn't in this bit. But there was this bit where, where um, basically John Hanna set um, Oded Fairs, who plays our death, his, his hair on fire because they were in such close quarters. Oh, right. Um, and yeah, and he actually sort of burned off some of his hair and like he just he didn't know until he felt John Hanna just sort of patting his hair, oh, right, <laughs> patting okay. the flames out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, quite funny. I bet that um, I bet that stunk as well, though, didn't it? Fairness, the smell of burning hair. Say again. Ooh. The smell of burning hair. Oh as yeah, well. I know. I bet it's rank. God Almighty. <laughs> I tell you, it adds to the atmosphere though, with like death and you know. I suppose it does. That. Yeah, I guess so. You're right in, in the some, moment. In some ways, yeah, it gets you into the uh, character. <laughs> so, yeah, so our little gang, they they go off and they they're digging at the foot of the Anubis statue, um, yeah. like literally the Anubis statue's feet, aren't they? and they that's right. um, Rick is like smashing earth out from underneath it. A few scenes now that kind of correlate, don't they? They sort of run alongside each other. Yeah, that's right. So is it what the what the Americans are doing and what they're doing? It kind of like mirrors each other, doesn't it? In some ways. Yeah, yeah. And then you've also got um, a bit with the warden who's sort of gone off on his own in search of treasure. Oh, that's right. Is this where he comes? Does he come across the scarab? Now is that where he tries? He comes across the beetles, yeah, the scarab beetles. Yeah. So these scarab beetles we actually seen before because um, Imhotep is cut. So he's wrapped up in all this bandage when he's being buried alive, and then he's covered in these scarab beetles, which eventually eat him alive. Um, and so we already kind of know a little bit about these beetles when we see them. So he's he's pocketing them. He's they're all on these walls and they're in these like kind of shells of blue glass. And you know, so he's picking them out and putting them in his pocket and he drops one and all of a sudden like the the scarab beetle sort of pops out of its shell 
and it, it sort of scurries really fast along the sand to the warden and buries literally oh, inside his foot. Yeah, that's it. Oh man, and oh, say, again, I it's traumatised me as a kid. This whole oh, it's horrible. Got under your skin. It, even now, it makes my skin itch. Mm, that's it. Literally, literally under his skin, and then he, he you see it, and well, he's he's he obviously feels it, and he's grabbing and he's screaming, and you don't really see anything, and then he opens up his shirt, and then boom, you see this outline of this scarab. And, and again, burrowing, burrowing through. And again, because oh. I, I mentioned, um, I don't know, I don't know if this is done on purpose or not, but I mentioned Hellraiser with a little trinket box, and this scene here is almost as if David Cronenberg, uh-huh. David Cronenberg came onto the set one day and said, oh, "How about yeah, you do yeah. this?" Because it's like um, body Come horror, isn't it? And it goes up all in his face and then into yeah. his brain, and mm. oh, it's horrible. Body horror. There it's you go. You got all these like, total say, body horror. Yeah. yeah. And what's really interesting is that this film there's one bit at the end where Imhotep has a little bit of blood on his hand but other than that there is not a single drop of blood that you see no. but it doesn't matter because you have these moments where they don't need blood and they're still horrific you know that I mean that that just got me so much when I was younger and it still gets me now it's like you know someone in their 30s um, it's so powerful it's yeah just, and I think because everyone has such a like in the name like fear of insects usually and stuff the thought of one getting inside you and burrowing under your oh i can't i can't, I can't. yeah because you're 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 freaked out by that enough but it's not it, it is freaky but it's not enough for you to be grossed out where you've got all the gore which it could be couldn't it if it was a david cronenberg movie yeah like straight horror yeah they could have made that really really gory and bloody and gross yeah. but it's not needed because the psychology of it what you're thinking about it can be is just, enough and that can be just as worse but, and yeah exactly oh yeah it can be worse yeah absolutely um but what's quite funny is a bit of the behind the scenes here is um they originally had the actor when he was they originally had him sort of climbing through these tunnels and they had this scene put in where he was going to his trousers were going to get caught and he was going to end up mooning the the camera i'm kind of glad that they didn't do that honestly but mm. to sort of make that more easy to pull off um the costume department didn't give the actor any underwear <laughs> um, and so when it came to this scene and he's grabbing at him and he's pulling his shirt apart <laughs> they had to do it four times because oh. the buttons that held his trousers together basically his his penis kept popping out all oh, right <laughs> and <laughs> so they and it took four times and they had to strap it to his leg <laughs> to stop it from happening uh, so a bit of levity so next time I watch that film I'll maybe yeah. not find it quite quite so gruesome because He's I'll remember a, that and laugh it's got a uh, scarab beetle and a snake in his pants as well <laughs> <laughs> there you bit go cobra yeah didn't need no CGI for oh. that <laughs> no don't need no, no, none for that <laughs> get the snake wranglers on set oh go, make no it, alarm <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Oh my gosh, that's oh, hilarious. Bit disgusting. Um, Sorry. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, it, it was, and the more serious side of it, um, mm. we've got yeah, as you say, we've got the Americans doing one thing, and then you've got our gang kind of doing another thing, and it's so clever because each of them play their part in in the resurrection. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you want to do you want to explain a bit about that? Yeah. Um, no, exactly that, and I think there is a little bit of a sort of prophecy here, as if, as in early, you know, remember when um, the Magi first see Rick mm. O'Connor at 
um, Hamanacha. They let him off into the desert, and I think there's a bit of a fake line here. And everybody's supposed to meet everybody, and all this is supposed to happen. Do you know what I mean? In a funny sort of way, because that's how Egypt yeah. is. Do you know what I mean? And it's almost like everybody is like a key to do a certain thing in this movie, and everything just works Everyone out the way it's supposed to be. Everyone plays their part, don't they? So it's almost like the majority. Yeah. There might be just part of them that know that this is going to happen. Do you know what I mean? It's like a sort of prophecy or something. But they like have that, to you know fulfill I mean? the prophecy in order to defeat it. Yes, that's right. That's right. So they just literally got to let it roll out. So, um, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. When, it's funny cause because I, I think, honestly, I think you're right. Because honestly, you know, they could have easily killed Rick at any point. Yeah, but they didn't. Like, and there were so many times. If they wanted to, they could, you know, they had a vantage point when they're seeing them all lined up waiting for Hamanapcha. They, they were up high on a cliff. They could have got some bows and arrows and taken them out. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Later on, they could have continued the battle, you know, when they come to sort of break it up. They could have continued the battle, but our death basically lets them off. Yeah, so it's it's it, funny. It's not. I, I, I start thinking about things like this when, when we're talking about this film, which you kind of sort of go, oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah it's makes interesting, sense. definitely. I hadn't yeah. thought of that, but I absolutely think that that yeah. could 100% be a thing. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, because we've, so we've got the Americans and they're looking at this chest that's sort of, you know... Um, that they're trying to open and then you've got the, our gang um, who uh, have found a sarcophagus in the base of Anubis's legs and that contains Imhotep as a mummy and we sort of flip back and forth between these two scenes and we've got Dr. Chamberlain who he's got these labourers and he gets them to open the chest oh uh, yeah that's it yeah it's a bit of a fink, really, isn't he? Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it's probably you know it's quite smart really because there is a booby trap on there and it's this sort of salt acid, isn't it? Salt, salt, acid? salt acid, yeah. And again, that's clever because yeah. I suppose that's another plausible thing as well. You could possibly have that. That as a is genuinely trap. something that I have. I'm remembering all of my year three ancient Egyptian knowledge. Is yeah. But I don't think I ever paid more attention in school um, as, as that bit because um, I loved it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a genuine thing. They would have these booby traps like that because they would, it wasn't for like, you know, preventing curses. It was more like, well, I don't know, maybe. Um, they were highly superstitious and religious. But um, but also more just about not desecrating and not stealing the treasure from um, the the tombs because the treasure was supposed to be taken with you into the afterlife. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, obviously they would be wary of grave robbers and stuff and it's supposed to sort of protect from that. So, you know, Dr. Chamberlain is quite right in sort of assuming that there would be a booby trap. It's just unfortunate for the labourers that he was right. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, their faces get melted off. Oh, yeah, that's right. Not yeah. nice. It's not nice. Yeah. Bit of a nice <laughs> and we do thing. kind of see it, don't we? They're kind of covering their faces with their hands, but we do sort of see a bit. They do show you this part, don't they? You do see them, yeah. sort of like face melting and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, bit of face um, love so, a bit of face melt. Bit of face melt. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's pretty gross, but it's really cool. And um, and then on the other side, we've got, um, as I say, our gang, and, and they open up the sarcophagus, and out pops again. It's a bit of a jump scare. Mm. It? We've got the mummy. Um, is this where they come out of that? Oh. They come out of that famous line where they're sort of looking at it, and everybody's sort of thinking the same thing, and then Richard comes yeah. out, and then they go, "He's still um, juicy, juicy, is it? yeah, juicy." Yeah, and he is because he's all wet looking, and yeah. and juicy's a really yeah. He's, oh, is it juicy, um, or gooey, gooey, yeah. Because it, yeah. Because now, because you've got the Boris Karloff um, mummy, which is you know wrapped up in. 
bandages and stuff like that. So this is where yeah. you now know, oh, this film's going to be different because he just looks like a zombie. Absolutely, or, you know. yeah. And that's exactly what the director was going for. He very much didn't want to have, he wanted to move away from the sort of mummy wraps and bandages. He didn't want it to look like a guy just in a mummy suit. He wanted it. So when he sort of comes alive later and you see, you can see all the gaps in his head and, you know, through his body kind of thing and, um, you know, and his muscle. Yeah. Um, he he kept asking for more and more of that with the with the special effects team because he didn't want it to just look like a guy in a suit although all the pointers and all the movements is Arnold Bosloo um, and they had him one of those like those suits with the spots on and they do the computer thing <laughs> oh right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but in in when it came to post and doing all the stuff that he didn't, he wanted there to be as many holes as possible so it didn't just look like a guy in a suit um, but then that's why you have the priest mummies later who are kind of wrapped in bandages and and Anuxa Moon's you know mummy she's more wrapped in bandages because it's a bit of a because it's not like he dis he wanted to dis uh, he wanted to disrespect the original material um he just wanted to move away from that and do something else but by having the others you know and it's it's fine because they can be a bit more comical and they can be a bit like more traditional like that yeah. it's just a bit of a, an homage a bit of a wink and a nod to, to the Boris Karloff one yeah that's uh, which right which I thought was quite cool he also reminds me um, of um, Tar Man out of Return of the Living Dead as well when I think about it and I'm just thinking about that right now uh, the yeah. Tar Man character because he's yeah, all those that's brains right. yeah because he's covered in he's all gooey isn't he and um, mm. resurrected so yeah yeah, it's, it's gnarly as fuck. So, so what yeah, saying. gnarly character. Um, and his face is all contorted in pain. And we realise that he's been buried. Well, they realise that he's been buried alive because he's scratched. He's scratched out um, on the inside of the tomb. Um, death is only the beginning. Yeah, don't um, know. Don't, not sure how you do that. Yeah, because you know, I mean logistics. Uh, you know, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, um, and also they're so deep, aren't they? I mean, what has he got talons for fingernails? Well, that he's just scraping out. <laughs> did they bury bury him with a hammer and chisel or something? <laughs> we didn't see. Just, you know, in case you get bored, pal, just you know, have fun. Yeah, have, have fun. this. Do a word search. <laughs> okay. Draw some, draw some stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah, do this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. Cause, I mean, there's, there's honestly, there's, there's quite a bit of that. If you were going to like, you know, pick this film apart, there is a lot of oh yeah bits that don't entirely match up and don't things that you're not supposed Honestly, to work out shit. yeah it's fine it's yeah fine. who cares it's yeah. such a fun ride and i think if you're going to start doing that then just don't bother watching the movie no, exactly. because you're missing yeah, the point of it, it. Yeah, um but it is quite funny when you sort of watch it with a more of an analytical eye you're like eh, that? <laughs> yeah you, you pick up on stuff like that so is this the yeah. part now where they they go back up to the camp and they basically talk yeah, about yeah. what they found don't they so yeah they kind of do a bit of um because the, the Americans are all chuffed because they found the organ jars that, um, that and they're made of gold and they have enough cinnamon's organs inside or they would have done anyway probably before they deteriorated yeah. um, and they're all made of gold so the, the Americans are all a bit cocksure of themselves and they're like oh I heard we, we heard you found yourself a nice juicy mummy <laughs> you know kind of thing like but we got gold kind of thing yeah. um, and and Dr. Chamberlain he's he's found the book of the dead in the chest and um, he's taken that up as well Um and they found, oh yeah, they also found the warden because the warden's come blazing through, screaming, and he just slams straight into a wall and falls down dead. Um, so they're kind of musing about that as well. And sort of yeah, cool. that's and it. The, the fact that the, the labourers got hit with salt acid and things are kind of, although there's been some wins, that there is a bit of a sinister turn 
being taken at this point and they're all a bit like oh i don't know and and evie sort of tells the story of um the book and um you know what's sort of happening with that and the mythology um behind the humdai and things and she's telling it's like kind of ghost stories around a campfire mm-hmm. isn't it yeah that's right um, yeah and you, you sort of think by now that you might be thinking maybe we should stop doing this because things are starting to go a little bit wrong because um, yeah yeah, yeah. but then uh, evie turns around and she's just she's there's this sort of moment where they're all kind of looking at each other like ooh, and um and you know maybe this place really is cursed kind of thing and she's like, oh for goodness sakes if i you know that's it's a load of rubbish pocus, kind of thing. Pocus, like, if i can see it like, and i can yeah, touch it then it. it's real um yeah she doesn't believe in curses and all that and and it's kind of like sort of snaps them back to reality and sort of makes them think oh yeah we are being just a bit a bit silly and yeah. and whatnot is this um, um, but then that's what when we get the magi come in and we've got another battle yeah that's it you get oh, oh death bay comes back in again now don't he and uh now you find out that rick o'connell's got dynamite on him as well in, of course in, he in does his arsenal which no is pretty cool expecting adventurer doesn't no that's right yeah he's got that dynamite hollywood dynamite so it's from shot to shot it's it's short then it's long then it's short and then it's long again <laughs> it seems to take forever to yeah get, that's it's, it it's amazing and then when you actually throw you it just pick it off with his finger you throw it with a long fuse and as soon as it hits the ground it blows up <laughs> so it's just you know. <laughs> exactly where it's supposed to go it's, yeah. it's amazing honestly where, where yeah. do they get this from great stuff i have no idea <laughs> so good <laughs> oh, um but yeah so they all kind of like have a bit of the thing there's this really great moment where Jonathan is hiding behind and he's sort of shooting off but he's also got a bottle of whiskey that he's found and he's drinking that and then Benny comes over and snags <laughs> his whiskey yeah. takes a takes a swig and then in response to a Magi sort of coming up behind him he sort of spits it right back in Jonathan's face yeah that's it it's a funny old scene isn't it just like I don't know whether that was kind of ad-libbed or you just thought yeah we'll do this I know, got a fi- I've got a feeling that it might have been yeah. um, where he did that because it just sort of seems like one of those things where it's in, an in-the-moment moment, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it's, a, it's a typical thing of his character to do as well, isn't it? You just think, oh, God. Oh, 100%. 100%. <sighs> um, so, yeah, and then um, Evie's fallen over because she's used a rifle for probably the first time and she's not expected that <laughs> back, And so she's just fallen over yeah. with it. But she did get the guy, so that's all right. That's it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the Magi basically, you know, our death. So, yeah, Rick, he pulls out this, this dynamite and our death sees it. And he's like, right that's enough that's enough carnage you know look this is the situation sort yourselves out you've got a day if you don't leave you're gonna die so piss off basically (laughs) um and obviously they don't listen this just sort of spurs at least it spurs the americans on more they're like oh they wouldn't be guarding it unless there's gonna be a big treasure here or something like that so yeah if yeah they're they're thinking more the treasure aren't they than the actual um but rick he's seen weird things happen do you know what i mean like and he's always alert so he sort of he sort of corrects them and says that you know these are desert people their treasure is water not gold like that makes no sense they they if they're warning us you should take heed kind of thing um but yeah no of course they don't um and they kind of continue drinking yeah at least evie does doesn't she yeah that's right and is this where you get the scene now where she starts talking about you know she's a librarian he's an adventurer all that sort of stuff isn't it yeah, that's what I said sort of at the beginning, wasn't it? Where I said, um, she, so he he's really sort of like perplexed by her. He's, I think he's quite sort of a bit beguiled. And, you know, he goes, I get why Jonathan's here. You know, he's here for the treasure. And I understand why I'm here. I'm here because I owe you. 
I don't really, I don't really get why you're here. And she gets very frustrated. And damn right, because she's, you know, back in the, what, 20, 1923 this is, and she's a woman and she's a, you know, she's an academic woman. She probably gets talked down to a yeah. lot. Yeah. And she, you know, a bit, you know, bit of courage in her with the, with the alcohol and she's sort of stands up um, a bit unsteady on her feet, but she gets there and she goes, look, I may not be an explorer or an adventurer or a treasure seeker or a gunfighter, Mr. O'Connell, <laughs> but I am proud of what I am. I am a librarian. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just, so good. I just like the way Rick is all the time going, and that is what? <laughs> that is, and what is, what is that? Like, this what is what is I want to know. Yeah. Like, what is, who are you? What is going on with this? And it's like, I'm a librarian. And it's like, yeah, and she I, is. I love um, it when she just goes, and Rick... I'm going to kiss you now. <laughs> yeah. She's Keep like, you know what? <laughs> this is happening, except it doesn't because she's so drunk she just passes out in his lap. <laughs> yeah, just, just, Been there, um, girl. Been there. <laughs> yeah, just sort of... The, the way sort of Brendan Fraser does that sort of... Like, little sort of... Yeah, he sort of like, you know, <laughs> air kisses, doesn't yeah, he? That's sort it, of, yeah, that's yeah. Well, I guess... Guess uh, you know there that went. He sort of. <laughs> but apparently, um, um, Brendan Fraser thinks that he when he was trying to steady her when she stands up drunk. Um, apparently, like he he thinks he might have grabbed. He's he's not sure, but he thinks he might have grabbed her bum by mistake. <laughs> oh right, okay, right, right. <laughs> I thought it was quite funny, bless him. Uh, so yeah, so it's the next day, um, and you know they ain't leaving. They are not heeding Odad's warning at all. Uh, not Odad. Uh, the actor. Um, <laughs> um, Imhotep. The uh, yeah the yeah. No, 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 not in, um, the Magi. Oh, oh, um, yeah. Oh, 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 they've death. got a day and they go out. Oh, death, yeah. Um, but they're not, they're not going anywhere. They haven't um, got their gold, no. They haven't got their gold, exactly. Um, and if anything, their warning has just sort of made them think that there's definitely something there to be to be found. So yeah. um, they've got the so we've got the um, the Americans back down in the tombs and they're reading off the chest that they found. Yeah. Um, and there's a real kind of real kind of clear as day warning, isn't there? Death will come on swift wings to whomever opens this chest. Um, I don't really think you can get much clearer than that. They're not and get- yet, <laughs> and yet <laughs> they still feel the need to open up. Yeah, they're not. They're not really getting the point, are they? At this point, I'll be going. Really oh, I'm out of here. That's it. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of Benny's um, reaction, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, he, he, he 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 gets spooked. He's because it's like the whole kind of like hushed whispering and like this um like the the wind kind of flurries through doesn't it and um the workers run out they're all spooked and benny's like yeah i'm gone it's the only time he actually Um, thinks in the movie isn't it it's the only time in the movie where he actually think he does the right thing here doesn't he He actually gets out yeah yeah he's the smartest one in the room for Mm. once um and he kind of gets labelled. It makes me laugh because his accent is really sudden. It's like so stupid, superstitious bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Uh, so yes, yeah, so they they go ahead and they open the chest, yeah. and this whole kind of dust and steam and kind of comes out, doesn't it? And it sort of engulfs the screen, like we don't sort of really see what happens. And then we've got our, our gang, Evie, um, Jonathan, and Rick, and they're back at their dig site. And they've um, found this sarcophagus that um, Rick's kind of found in the in the stone. Um, and Evie's really excited, and she sort of says that she's dreamt about this since she was a little girl. And then like Rick turns out, like you dream about dead guys. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a little bit of humour there, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? 
<clears throat> yeah, always with the humour. It's always these little nods, which I, I just think it really breaks it up. It's good. Um, and it's really, yeah, it's really awful, isn't it? Because like they find out that he's been buried alive. They see his scratchings in the in the tomb. Um, and uh, yeah, and they basically there's this, this really kind of great kind of back and forth because it's it's both of these actions. They kind of they all play together in creating the resurrection of Imhotep. So you kind of go back and forth between these two scenes and we've got the, they open up the sarcophagus and so in the meantime, so on one side we've got like the Americans and they've opened up the chest and it's all kind of, Ugh. and then we've got these guys opening up the sarcophagus and we've got this corpse that springs out all like, Ugh. yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, and he's got, and he's like, he's all decayed and, and rotting and things, but he's, um, it's that line, isn't there? You like, he's juicy. He's juicy. Yeah, it's just like it's the line you don't. It's a line you don't expect him to come out and say, but you just think that's pretty cool. Actually, that is exactly the it's line the best you should way say. To yeah, it, yeah it's exactly. It. I mean, I'm just glad they didn't say <clears throat> moist. Honestly, like mm, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm one of those that really hate that word. I'm sorry. Oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's it's all juicy. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, and sort of even notes it looks like he's kind of still decomposing, which is weird after three thousand years. Yeah. In the buried in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and then so yeah so we've got the inscription on the chest and then we've got this inscription here that he's sort of dug out where it says death is only the beginning, um, and we get this really great zoom in on his face, don't we, of the mummy's face where it's like it's all contorted and twisted and it's, oh. yeah yeah so yeah and then yeah we flash back to the Americans and I I don't like Doctor Chamberlain um, played by Jonathan Hyde I don't really like him as a character I think he's a bit of an ass but really relate to him in this moment because the Americans are all pissy because there's no like treasure so to speak and then he brings out the book of the dead and he's like this gentleman is the treasure yeah friggin yes which is yeah which is a point isn't it because the librarian thing's brought up with Evie she's kind of like the brains and the way to start this is by a book and the way to end it is by a book isn't it so you've got a clash yeah and it's it's quite interesting between yeah, between these two sets of people, they all have their kind of counterpart. You know, you kind of got John, Dr. Chamberlain, who's the brains. Like, Evie, you've got what I call Cowboy American, who's like Rick, who's all kind of guns blazing. Yeah. You've got, you know, like, it's, there's just like, you know, and then you've got the um, the other American who is kind of like, he's a bit of a, um, you know, he's, he's he's kind of there along for the ride and stuff, but he's yeah. not maybe up to sort of scratches the others kind of things, kind of a bit like Jonathan. You know, so... Um, yeah, um, it's kind of interesting how these two these two groups of people sort of parallel. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, but then they do find some treasure, and the the Americans are all happy, and they're like, "Woo, yay, we got Great. our gold!" Because they the, little... the front panel opens. Hmm. I've got a little pot and they've got or these like. Yeah. yeah, so these are the jars that they would have had um, uh, an Axon Moon's organs in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so a bit gross, but gold. So yay, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then it's back to being nighttime, um, and um, you know they're all kind of like freaking out over sort of. Uh, oh no, not so. No, they're not. They're not freaking out. They're um, they're all kind of gloating over these um, gold jars, and they're sort of like, oh yeah, I heard you found like a nice juicy mummy kind of thing, like yeah. you know. Um, and Evie starts telling about the home die curse, um, you know, and everyone's kind of all like listening in and she's all like, it's like campfires around a. Uh, sorry, stories around a campfire, isn't it? Like, kind of ghost stories kind of thing. Yeah, which is quite cool. And everything. Yeah, it's a really nice little bit. And Evie's sort of really loving 
having this story to tell. Um, and then, yeah, and then later on, Dr. Chamberlain's asleep with the Book of the Dead and Evie kind of nicks it from him. She has a little read from it, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, she does. And, yeah, for someone so smart, she doesn't act very more smart. <laughs> and, and what does this see, and Kate, when you think about it in horror movies, what does this scene remind you of when you've got a book and someone reads from the text? It's the evil dead. It's, it's evil like dead, the, yeah. The Necronomicon. Well, yeah, mm. the ne- yeah, exactly. You may as well be reading the Necronomicon. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and there's so many, like, so many times where in horror films and stuff where you have, like, yeah, just don't don't read the Latin. Just don't do it. <laughs> it's not don't Latin do here, yeah, but don't read, yeah. any, you know, don't read any ancient language. <laughs> if it's an ancient language, don't read it. It's fine. Leave it where it is. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, and then Dr. Chamberlain wakes up and says, No, do not read from the book. Yeah. Um, uh, this is where the shit hits a fan, basically, now, isn't it? Do you know what it I mean? is, it's basically. Like, yeah, it's all kind of go from goes. here. Yeah. And we have, um, we have the first plague come, which is tidal wave of locusts mm-hmm. and they kind of just swarm over the hills and this absolute deafening kind of buzzing um and then dr chamberlain just sort of sits with clutching the book of the dead sort of going what have we done yeah covered and he's in covered locusts. in these locusts yeah and they're real those were all real so the locusts coming over like flying and stuff that mm. they're cgi but these ones they just tossed a whole load of like locusts on him and apparently he's a really good sport about it all right um yeah, it's quite cool. I wouldn't have done it personally. <laughs> but it's um, it's very, um, very biblical effect here, isn't it? I think it's like say it's a real effect that still holds up today, doesn't it? That scene. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that being done. The scarabs are one thing, to the way that they move and everything. But like mm. having locusts like that, I think we just a little bit pants now. Um. But yeah, so then we have um. Every- yeah, then we have uh, the bit in the tombs with with Burns, don't we? That's right. Yeah, he gets. This is where you find out that there's an assimilation process now, isn't there, between the the uh, Imhotep, isn't it? So you get that scene yeah. now where he basically absorbs his body, doesn't he? And he gets like sucked and <laughs> all sorts yeah, of weird shit. Yeah, it's yeah. really horrific. <laughs> yeah, it's quite and horrific. There's this really great. Sorry. I know. I was going to say, there's as we said before, there are some really good horror scenes in this movie where you've got the comedy and it's, the horror, and it, yeah, it just grabs you. I was you at times. literally about to say this because we had this whole kind of build-up, don't we? Where mm. like you know the creature, I always call him the creature when he's not quite fully formed, yeah. um, and he's like sort of lurking in the background. And because Burns, he's um, he's he's fallen over and his glasses have fallen off, and then Benny, in typical fashion, just as he runs by, stomps on his on his glasses. Um, so he's got really bad vision and we have this point of view shot from Burns and so we can only see what he sees and it's just this kind of like yeah. fuzzy image and it's it's really creepy for building like mm. tension and, and oh, suspense yeah. and there's a bit of kind of jump scares here and there and things um, and I just I just feel really bad for him in this moment because you know that something awful is going to happen and he's so scared and because we're seeing it from that point of view shot you know we really kind of have that empathy yeah, um, yeah. and I do as well because I'm blind as a bat as well like right. if I don't have my so you understand I, I can't yeah. see okay. shit <laughs> um, but yeah so yeah and then he basically gets attacked and um, we don't he doesn't get sucked dry yet he just basically because he gets interrupted I think hmm. Um and he, he just get takes his his eyes and his tongue, which is kind of worse in a way. Yeah, because you know, it, just... it, 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 yeah, it's it's yeah, you can think of anything worse. So it just leaves you there, doesn't it? it leaves you there hanging, doesn't it? But there is another part. Yeah, in the there's dark. An, there's another part of me that which would have liked to have seen Imhotep staying in the state that he is as a zombie throughout this movie. 
because I think it would have just um, just brought a little bit yeah. more probably horror. But they, they probably wanted to move it away from that just a little bit with the film, which I understand. Yeah, yeah, I think they wanted to um, move it away from like the old sort of style of horror and things mm. with it. Um, you know, like they like for example, he, um, I know that Steve Summers really didn't want to have like the bandage type mummy, so they made. Uh, some of the other like the not soldier mummies the uh, the priest mummies he they made the priest mummies sort of with bandages and things but they really yeah. wanted to move away from that and make it kind of like their own yeah so um, it brings it all together doesn't and it had, so. and had yeah they had the priest ones with like a little nod and acknowledgement yeah. and whatever a bit of a you know nudge and a, and a wink but um but yeah they wanted to sort of make it a bit more ground in reality and also as well like budget like they had a budget but you know a lot of the budget went into these things and I think probably they couldn't have it going on for so long but you know it's a really cool effect i think even though it's cgi i think that those effects of him as the mummy like as the creature really hold up well oh, yeah, like yeah, they, it's, yeah. it's so visceral in there yeah 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 no that's great so we got um yeah so we now got our our heroes now attacking yeah. <laughs> this creature as you say and good old rick yeah. his way of dealing with it is just by shooting it isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> shoot now ask questions later yeah that's it you know <laughs> I got um, it. Yeah, and there's... Sorry. I was going to say, it just comes out of that line, doesn't he? I got it. You know, it's like... Yeah. I got it, yeah. And and just before he does, because um, Evie finds her way to Burns, and she goes through this, like, secret doorway kind of thing, which I think is really cool, where they're being chased by the scarab beetles. And um, and Imhotep sort of recognise well, thinks he recognises her, and he calls her Onox to the moon and, try- and sort of, like, goes in towards her. And what that's about is that um, in the original script, they were going to have because people kind of keep mentioning this, and this is something I've thought of, though, they're going to have um, him in- inherit his bad eyesight. And so he thinks that she's a Nux and a Moon by mistake. Oh, um, I see. But then yeah, they that took that out because they thought it was a little bit sort of, you know, unnecessary and things, and it just kind of kept in the bit right. about... And I think it kind of ties in quite well because obviously he uses her as almost like a reincarnation in a way, doesn't he, with the, with the ritual and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he was going to use her. So um, I think it still works, but I thought it was just kind of like a cool little tidbit there. A little nod there, um, yeah. But yeah, so so yeah, yeah, they go racing outside. Rick's is, Rick is very confident that he's, he's got it. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got it. Um, and they run into the Magi, don't they? Um, and they basically tell him off <laughs> it's a creature we've been trying to prevent for thousands of years isn't it he's all very sort of deep about it but it's yeah, cool yeah, exactly. it's cool you need that sort of character in this so yeah that's it you need someone to kind of bring it down and mm. um and and yeah and it's kind of <laughs> like you know this guy comes along <laughs> these people you know these americans and whatnot um but yeah he had this really great line which is very kind of um you know we've said before and i think dan has said to me as well about it sort of being like the terminator and he's like know this this creature is the bringer of death he oh, will yeah. never eat, oh, he yeah. will never sleep, and he will never stop. And that's got, yeah, it's got to be done there. That is Michael Bynes, isn't it? Or Michael Bean from The Terminator, isn't it? It's Carl Reese telling the mm-hmm. police, yeah, this guy won't stop you. So, yeah, it's Terminator. Yeah, it's great. It's a nice 100%. one. 100%. And I'm totally with that. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, so that's, that's kind of a little cool thing there. But, yeah, like, and as I say, like, Brendan's still like, yeah. well, Rick is still like, oh, yeah, I got it, I told you, I got it, don't yeah, worry about so it. I've just shot it, it's fine, that's how, that's how we deal with things, you know, <laughs> your gun sorts it out, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we've got the, so then we go back to, to uh, the creature and, and he's found Benny. Yeah. 
And there's this really... <laughs> Do you want to talk about this scene? It's well, so funny. Well, this is where he's turncoat, isn't it? So he basically tries every method here, doesn't he, to try and get a reaction from the creature, doesn't he? So he's got all the symbols, and he? He's got the... Uh, yeah, every, around his neck. Every, um, every religion, like religion around the world, or... isn't it? And then he's got the... Um, yeah, the Jewish symbol, isn't it? And then he's yeah, the Hebrew, the yeah, Hebrews. the Star of David. Yeah, and then that's where um, he says, "Oh, you know about the oh, it's the the language of the, the slaves or of something." The slaves, yeah, that's yeah. It, back in that time. And then that's just where he gets a reaction, doesn't he? And he's like, "Oh, right, I can use this guy." So he becomes his right hand man. Yeah, oh, yes, master. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you know what? When I was watching this, when I was sort of watching it with more of an analytical eye, um, mm. I realised actually there's a lot of similarities between this and the Dracula story. Um, you know, you've got a creature that comes back from the dead. He's motivated by his passions. He's mm. got, you know, his own very Ren- his very own Redfield in in Benny. Yeah. You've got like a sort of Van Helsing cowboy type person. You know, you've got the female love interest that the monsters also interest. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of comparables to to Dracula in this. I feel. Yeah. Um, as well as it kind of having a lot of throwbacks to the old Universal movies, which of course you know it's they a, did Dracula. It's a plot we're familiar <clears> with and a plot we all like as an audience, isn't it? And um, it will just yeah. continue. So we're we're happy with that basic uh, building block, aren't we? Of you know, good guys, sure, bad guys, yeah. turncoats, um, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it works fine. Yeah, for this it's, it's good storytelling. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not to take away from it at all. It's it, it's to its favour for sure. Um, so it's the next day, and we've got this like big thunder and lightning, and we're yeah. um, where are we now? We are in Fort Bryden in yeah. Cairo. Um, so they've fled Hermanaptra and they've come back to Cairo, and you know, well. Brick is trying to convince Evie to, to go and he's like packing up her stuff. Um, and she's quite adamant, isn't she, that she's going to stay. She's like, no, this is our mess. We're going <laughs> to clean it up. Um, and he's like, what's this we we're talking about? Like, this is you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he comes out of a line now, doesn't he? He says, this is it. Contract's over. I'm going home. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. Here. I mean, it's like, like, right, yeah. A contract? Contract's over. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a nod to this kind of romance thing that they've got because she's sort of quite hurt that he can be quite blasé about it mm. um and rick in typical fashion goes to a bar to try and like you know have, maybe have a good time um, that's and, it yeah they come across winston don't they yeah i love this dude he comes out of another great line doesn't he? he's walking along he's pissed as a fart <laughs> and he walks into a bloody um fountain, a fountain isn't, isn't it yeah, and he's like oh food. some damn fool spilt his drink do you know what i mean so you've got the end of the world you've got <laughs> Um, fireballs he's just coming very down. Kind of like gung ho, kind of you know war hero, trying to you know get back to his glory days, kind of thing. Yeah. He's sort of, it's so it's so funny because he's he's sad because he didn't die during the war. Like all his friends get to go down in a blaze of glory, and he's just sort of sat at this bar, kind of you know. Yeah. Well, in a way, his life. Um, yeah, he had a good fight in the which, war, was he? So, but that's that's about to tie up in this movie, isn't it? Which is it's about to tie up, and I really like it. Um, so yeah, um, and we then so yeah, so we have this sort of like little kind of introduction bit, and oh yeah, so in the um, just real quick in the world premiere uh, of this movie, um, they had a bit of an issue with the projector, and they had to stop screening, and then they went back and they had by mistake missed this scene out, oh, did and I? so Steve Summers had to like fly around trying to find Bernard Fox and his wife to sort of reassure him that his introduction scene had not been cut. It's oh. just a mistake. Like you're not, okay. <laughs> because he was so worried that the guy would take offence from yeah. his scene not being there suddenly. Bless him. Oh, bless him. Um, yeah, uh, it's all right. Um, so yeah, so we're now back with with Burns, and he's sort of having his conversation with someone, and we don't really know who it is, although we do have our suspicion. Yeah, because Benny's there. Um, and Benny's a 
I mean, Benny's not a good person, but he's really just mean-spirited in this bit because, you know, he... Burns doesn't realise who he's with um, and he calls him Prince Imhotep so Burns thinks he's with this like kind of royalty or whatever mm. and then he says he, he's um, you know he thanks Burns for his hospitality and then he goes and for your eyes and for your tongue it's horrible isn't it? and it's just yeah. this horror mm. on Burns face when he realises who he's with and it was just such an unnecessary line from Benny like it really just sort of emphasises that he's just a really just a dick <laughs> Like, he's nice. horrible. Like he's not just a, looking out for himself, but he actually sort of relishes being a bit of a bastard. You know, yeah. he's happy for this guy to die. That's it. You know, yeah, because it means like, he won't. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's just wow. What? What? Yeah, it's pretty bad actually. When you think about it. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Really uh-huh. horrible. And then yeah, and then so we see uh, sort of the creature remove his this mask. It's kind of like a big iron mask, like man in the iron mask, isn't it? And these there. like scarab beetles crawl all over mm. his face, and it's really horrific. And and like Burns doesn't even need to be able to see him to know what's going to happen. And we hear this kind of screaming, and um, yeah. And then we're back at the bar, and we've got the next plague, um, which is fire raining down from the sky. And this is real fire as well, being shot over um, Cairo from oh, Glimpse. Um, and the hellstone is, uh, is is apparently dog food painted white being pelted oh, down. Oh, that's disgusting. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but apparently the authorities got really pissed off because they didn't have any permits to fire this fire down and it was being fired <laughs> over mosques and stuff. Get dog food yeah, everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like nothing got damaged. It was all fine. But then, oh. yeah, they didn't have a permit. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So they're all kind of like running away from that and things. And um, they what was it yeah so they run into sort of like they run into benny and and rick kind of questions where he's been and stuff and um and then yeah and then we and then he sort of like runs away trying to sort of avoid the the question and we hear we hear this sort of roaring so rick doesn't really go after him because he's like he's distracted by this like roaring um and they sort of they find this they they run into to where this roaring's coming from and they see burns um, he's all he's, he's now been sucked dry and he's all this like withered corpse, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, and then we see the mummy and he's sort of twisting and roaring and he's sort of rejuvenating. Um, and he's still very much the mummy at this point, you know, he's got a bit more muscle mass and things and density, but he's still pretty gross, yeah. Um, and we have this cat now, don't we? Because he's he sort of advances on Evie and he's um, he sort of tries to kiss her, um, but then the cat sort of plonks on the piano and distracts him and he sort of. He freaks out, doesn't he? That's a nice little nod, isn't it, to the Egyptian his, um, history, isn't it? Where they, yeah, cat is the yeah. sort of god of the underworld, isn't it? So it's going to yeah, yeah. Try. They guard the they guard the underworld and mm. stuff. So there's kind of his keepers almost in a way. They, that's what they kind of represent. Nice so he sort nod. of does this like spinny tornado thing out of the window, doesn't he? Yeah, that's it. You know, a, a cat's going to save the day. There you go. Yeah, right. Who'd have thunk? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're kind of like, right, we need some information about what's happening here. So they go and see um, the curator back at the Museum of Antiquities. And, oh my gosh, plot twist, he's with Ardeth and the Magi. He's with Magi. There you go. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. And this is actually where it's filmed is an old estate that used to belong to George Harrison from the Beatles. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Oh, wow. um, 
but yeah so uh, they sort of go into a bit about the cat mythology and things and they're sort of like saying about how like they've been you know guardians and trying to keep this guy from coming back and all the rest of it um and and now we have our our next plague which is the eclipse um you know darkness through the land of egypt yeah um and so that sort of spurs them to look outside and as they look outside um oh yeah that's right no they look outside because they're trying to they then go and try and find um dr chamberlain because they work out that all of the you know they've got to try and find all of the people who were present at the at the opening of that chest and dr chamberlain's missing yeah um so rick tells the americans they've got to guard evie evie's not happy about this at all she wants to come but you know because he's kind of seems to have a bit of a fixation with her he's like no you've got to stay here um and so him and jonathan go off try and find dr chamberlain don't they yeah that's it they've they've worked out like you say uh the assimilation process and everything and yeah yeah exactly and so to to fully reform he's got to you know um up the lives out of all the people who were there so um and they said so they go and they see, they see if they can find him at his hotel room and and again we we find benny um he just crops up everywhere um and he's searching for the book of the dead because that's key to um uh, the resurrection of anux and the moon um so they find benny and um <laughs> rick just kicks the shit out of it <laughs> <laughs> And he just lobs this, he's trying to run, he just lobs this chair at him, just smacks him square in the back. Um, and apparently, like, he's really getting thrown about as well. So, like, um, Steve Summers, the director, he hired a, a masseuse out of his own pocket um, to sort of, like, help with any sort of injuries and stuff that, that like, you know, Kevin J. O'Connor um, might might sustain. He's wearing padding and stuff, but yeah. like oh, he really? His, uh, okay. cause, yeah, because he just felt really bad about it. Apparently he did the same thing on Deep Rising as well. So. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, but Rick's filled with these all like these kind of little quips like, "Oh, Benny, did you fall down here? Let me help you back up." And he holds him up by the scruff of the neck, and he's like slamming him into walls and stuff. And he sort of holds him up to the ceiling fan, doesn't he? And he sort of, you know, coerces information from him. Yeah, you get the impression he's done this quite a lot in his like <laughs> friendship or whatever it is he's got going on with this character in his life. Frenemy. He has sorted him out a few times in the past. It's saying something mm-hmm. new, is it? Uh, yeah yeah um and again we're sort of distracted by the screaming and benny leaps out of this window while rick's distracted um because we hear this like scream and they look out of the window and they see dr chamberlain who's been got by by the mummy um again a real horror moment when we see this um in a sort of previous thing um it's very similar to burns just like we see him in the background and things and there's lots of close-ups and of like Chamberlain's face and things like looking scared and whatnot. It's yeah. just really effective use of editing, I think. Um, and so, yeah, and then we've got um, we've got sort of he's more kind of turning into less away from the creature and more like imitate and he's still kind of like he kind of looks like he's uh, like a leper or something. He's yeah, that's of, a good way to explain it. Actually, apart, yeah, that, that could be another nod to that because it's another disease, awful disease they had yeah, in those times, yeah, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good way um, to explain it. Actually, so. Uh, so yeah, so he's kind of, and he sort of sees them, and he kind of, um, yeah, just sort of does this thing where he opens his his mouth, and it's like really like inhumanly wide. Um, and from it, we have another plague, and a swarm of flies pour, like pours out, hmm. um, and he sort of aims it towards Rick and and Jonathan, and um, and they sort of flee along with everyone else because <laughs> you would. Um, so right. 
and then yeah and then we have this really great moment where um he comes for one of the one of the americans um and i just think this is such a cool bit so one of them's gone off to get some drinks while they're guarding evie and we've got cowboy american oh yeah and, that's right yeah um yeah and he um yeah they have this the way that they do it so the use of like shadows and stuff um is is used a lot by steve summers because he really liked oh god i can't remember the it was like the um uh this director i can't remember i've got in my notes later on but um so i'll probably say it later on but um there's this director who uses shadows a lot from like way back in the day steve summers is like a really big fan of so he likes to use them a lot in his work and i think it's so effective here because um it it's because as i say as i said before there's no blood in this movie um and they sort of really try to keep it as bloodless as possible and you Um, don't need it do you really you don't know and i think it's really good to sort of leave it to your imagination Mm, a bit and and what we see is this shadow of of his body shriveling as his life force is taken from him um but it, I mean, this was not easy to get. It took nine months of editing to get it right. The studio apparently wanted it cut because when they initially saw it, they just saw a shadow of a guy getting lifted up with wires mm. and they didn't see any of the effect or how it works. Then you've got the bit, which is such a cool moment where Imhotep, he's mostly fully formed, but he's got this still kind of like muscly bit in his ma- in his cheek, didn't he? And then like a scarab beetle comes from his neck and then through that gap in his mouth and then he eats it. Yeah, it's great. And it's it? this real kind of mm. crunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross it's so gross um but again it was like they just had some little led points on his cheek and on his neck and they didn't really see they were like well, what is this and they wanted this whole kind of bit cut and redone for something a lot simpler but like steve summers he sort of perseveres like no 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 wait wait just just wait because it's gonna be worth it and in the end when they saw the the screener reaction like the audience they that's when they were like oh okay fair enough yeah that was pretty good but up until that point they were completely unconvinced and it took so long to get it right but yeah. i think it's definitely worth it because this is one of honestly it's one of my favorite effects in the whole movie because you look at the time period it's 1999 when they made this film so you're transitioning between the 80s where it's all like prosthetic effects and yeah practical practical. Effect, and then you're just all bridging into the cgi so you kind of got the two it's almost mm. like a clash between the two but yeah that's no, a great scene yeah yeah that's good um so yeah and then he we cut to evie who's in the bedroom next door and she's asleep mm-hmm. and it's all very kind of like it really again it reminds me of sort of like dracula or yeah, yeah, back yeah. in those real kind of old time because she's got like her hair in this night dress and it's all like it's this kind of like silky number and she's all like ah oh, on the bed and it's, yeah. it's really cool though um and he he, we see sort of some of his power because he kind of morphs into sand and he pours himself as sand through the keyhole. Does that yeah. make sense? That was great effect. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool, isn't it? Um, and she's all looking snow white and he kind of comes in and it's honestly, it's just as rapey as Prince Charming at this point. <laughs> um, oh, I always have a bit of a thing like, what are you doing? She's passed out. She's like, you're supposed to be dead. Like, what are you doing? Kissing her. Like, I know it's to bring her back. Um... Um, anyway, so yeah, so he... Um, yeah, so he, he go, goes in to, to kiss her and as he does, like all of the decay and grossness just sort of seems to like intensify at his mouth. Um, can you imagine waking up to that? Just, oh, like, oh, just, I mean, talk about morning breath. Oh my God, yeah, that's right? a little case of that right there, isn't it? That's pretty disgusting, isn't it? Like, I, I would you... never complain about my yeah. bloke's morning breath if I had that happen to me, you know, like ugh, 3,000 years worth of decay just on your face. Ugh. It's... Um, 
and in comes in comes the cavalry of Nick of Rick Nick Rick. Um, just in time, and, isn't it? just in the nick of time, yeah. he pops up, doesn't he? And yeah, and he holds up his cat, mm. uh, which is apparently a lot more effective than a gun. Um, and he does, uh, yeah, Imhotep, he does that kind of like roar and tornadoes out the window. And apparently, um, behind the scenes. Um, Brendan Fraser and Arnold Vosloo kept like cracking up when they were doing this because they couldn't use the cat for all of the shots, um, like for I don't know, animal rights, or whatever. And so Brendan Fraser would be holding up the teddy bear instead, just for like, you know, marking and whatnot. And so Arnold would be having to scream at this teddy bear and just while, to get this tornado kind of effect, he'd just have to twirl on the spot. Right. So he's like twirling on the spot, like just going, ah, at this teddy bear. I just, can you imagine like just, just being ridiculous, in that scene isn't it? how ridiculous yeah. that is? <laughs> um, mm. You know, and there's this really lovely little great line where um, where, where Rick kind of asks Evie whether she's all right, and Jonathan just sort of responds totally deadpan. He's like, as though it's for him, but like, well, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Rick just sort of looks at him, just like, it's not not you. I'm not asking you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, and where do we go? I've just lost my notes now. That's annoying. Um, where are we going? So this is where you get everybody who's now infected, aren't they? Like zombies, aren't they? Outside, aren't they? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got the mobs coming through. And um, what makes me laugh, um, since watching the commentaries, it was revealed that one of the extras who's near the front by Benny... Uh, he's like to the left of Benny and he keep he kept looking down into the camera and he wouldn't stop. And so what they did is they just uh, in post, they just made his eyes look white. So they just sort of blurred out of his eyes so that he, oh, didn't see that right, he was okay. looking d- oh. down the camera. Yeah. <laughs> so look out for that next time you watch it because it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they they can't flee yet because they've got this. They've got to find out where the um, Book of Amun Ra, the, uh, you know, the gold book is. Um, and. Evie's trying to read it off this huge big tablet um, so you know you've got this kind of real kind of tense moment we've got these this mob coming for you with Imhotep at the lead and you know they can't go anywhere because they've got to find out this information and it's just like oh um, but then Jonathan runs out and it's this real funny it's very kind of Shaun of the Dead moment um, yeah. obviously this was before but like he kind of just has this one shot of him running and then suddenly stops and he's like, uh, like a long oh, whistle. You know what? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I didn't think of that. Yeah, it's Sean of the Dead, isn't it? Where yeah. he basically like, just mimics zombies, him, doesn't but... he? Yeah, that's it. He just, yeah, yeah. He's just sort of, like, plain sight of it. Yeah, And then like, he leaps into, into the car and stuff and, um, and yeah, and they kind of all, they all kind of flee. Um, and then this is such a great action moment. We've got another one of these really great kind of shoot 'em up scenes. Yeah. Um, with a car chase. Woohoo. It's very Indiana Jones now, chase. isn't it? Where you know, you've got really the chase is. and bad Yeah, with night. all the locals yeah. and stuff. And you've got the fruit carts go like going and getting knocked over and stuff and people get battered into poles and and Evie, she holds her own, she stabs one in the eye, doesn't she? Yeah, she gets she's... like she pokes pokes one. Raising the bar a little bit here now, and she's finding her feet. Yeah, that's it. Just... Yeah, yeah. She's like, I can do this. Yeah, I got, I, I can you know, yeah. I, I'm a librarian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So they all kind of like um, are racing through, and you've got these bullets flying, and the crowd kind of like getting on them and stuff. And um, unfortunately, the American who's left, he falls out of the car, and um, he gets got, doesn't he? He does. That's a good way of putting it. He gets got. He, he runs out of bullets <laughs> yeah. and he gets sucked 
I was going to say suck dry then. <laughs> we probably won't. Really <laughs> Honestly, that's the right word to use. The know. whole time we've been recording, I've been trying to think of another way to say this. I would explain it in any other way, really. <laughs> suck dry by an ancient fairy. Fairy, right, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, he's gone. He's got. He's, he's gone and got. Got. We'll say that. He's been got. Yeah. Um, Point now, isn't it? Where is it? Evie gets. Uh, taken away by Imhotep now isn't it in the street crowd isn't it so. yeah yeah and this is a really great scene because it uh, this is the scene I think that really just sort of throws back to like the Universal movies and stuff um, and he's arrived because he's now had all of the people at the, at the who opened the chest so um, Imhotep's now fully rejuvenated yeah. uh, like regenerated um, they've crashed the car um, and they get cornered by this mob and, and Imhotep and <laughs> this really great line where um, he he requests that. So we've got Benny who's sort of translating for him. Oh yeah. Um, but of course, Evie knows what he's saying anyway because she can speak ancient Egypt. Mm. And he re- and Imhotep requests that Evie go with him, and and you know Benny sort of translates so he can make her his forever. Huh. And then he just sort of goes for all eternity, idiot. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great way they do that. I like that. Yeah. It's so it's so pedantic, but it's mm. so her, and it just cracks me right up. Um, so yeah, and then there's that great bit as well where like he they kind of logic that like you know we can't possibly fight him right now. You know we haven't you know got the enough resources to so let her go. Oh, They've yeah. got to get to Hamanaptra, mm. yeah, and all of this. Um, so you know live today, fight tomorrow. I love that line. I like that line. I, I, I use that line today. There's a few lines live, I use. Uh, live today, fight yeah. tomorrow. It's great. Yeah, it exactly. makes total sense. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and again, it's one of these things where, like, you know, it's not the fighters who sort of, you know, are save save the, the moment or save the day. It's the it's the practical, logical thinkers who kind of rationale Rick with his kind of gun blazing mm. sort of attitude, and he sort of sees reason. He's like, yeah, all right. But then he says, "What's that?" He goes, because she says, "Oh, you better think of something fast, because if he turns me into a mummy, you're the first one I'm coming after." Yeah, that's right. And then and he's, it- I love this yeah, line, I mean, and I, I almost stood up in 1999 in the cinema and went, "Yes!" Like that when he gave Rick goes, <laughs> "I'll be seeing you again," and I was like, "Yeah!" <laughs> yeah, and he, and he sort of points it in with the flaming torch, yeah, and threatening it. eyes, yeah. and it's, it's a really hot moment. I'm not going to lie; like oh. he looks real hot when he does that. <laughs> I think I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, right. I think I don't think there's anyone who's gonna who's it doesn't matter what how sexually orientated you are, like doesn't everyone matter. can sort of appreciate Fred and Fraser in that oh, moment. It's allowed a man Ooh. crush allowed a man crush moment then for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, well I girl crush over Evie this whole this whole mm. movie. And in most things, Rachel Vice is just stunning. He's lovely, yeah. Um so yeah, so this is kind of when we get proper like adventury actually oh, yeah. kind of thing. And oh, yeah. um they you get like so Imhotep basically he goes back on his word because he said like you know um, he said I'll, I'll let you go if you let me have her kind of thing and, and then he's like right kill them all <laughs> um, as though we didn't see that happening and so to escape they, they escape through like a, a sewer don't they they still yeah, go through a drain right cover one. fantastic um, and yeah with all the torches and, and it's kind of real kind of like villages and like a, a mob sort mm. of thing in, in like Frankenstein movie or something it's really cool Um so now they uh, they they sort of drive through the desert to the Giza's Royal Air Corps camp. It's the next day, oh, um, and apparently in the script the card was you know 
because they just had this crash it was supposed to be smoking and things but it what it literally said was steaming across the desert and it was one of these uk us kind of lost in translation things because the uk crew members took it to mean that it's like just going real fast like hauling ass through the desert Mm. um so there's no steam or anything like that and there wasn't anything that was available that day so this is why the car is kind of like looks a lot better than it should (laughs) so in post they added in some like sounds of it like the car engine stuttering and things like that because it's just this perfectly fine car even though it crashed into (laughs) into a fountain the day before um and they they find winston and he's he's (laughs) I love it. He just sort of, he sat on this chair with on this little mound of sand. He's got this sort of, I don't know, servant or something holding up this like really elaborate parasol. Um, and he's just sort of listening to jazz. Yeah, and his <laughs> old uh, porta- portable record player. Is, yeah, yeah, it's one of those ones that look like the old HMV logo. HMV, with, like, that's it. Yeah, that's the one. The, that's you know one. what I mean? With the dog. And uh-huh. he's just sat there drinking tea, living. Well, yeah. not his best life for him because he wants to be out in the action. But for Wait, me, for I just his... think it looks amazing. I like it now because Rick turns up and he and he, then he says to him, well, what's going on? And Rick goes, well, you know, get the bad guy, save the damsel in distress, save the world. Pretty much a run of the mill type yeah. of thing, you know. So I love it when he says that. Yeah, yeah, and it's a real kind of acknowledgement of like, yeah, we know what we are, and we're, you know, we're really playing to that kind of thing. And he's so sweet; he's like this little excitable kid because, you know, they sort of he says, you know, he said we, we need your help basically, and he's like, will it be dangerous? And and he goes, oh well, you you probably won't live through it. And he's like, by Jove, do you really think so? Yeah. <laughs> he's just got these little sparkling eyes at the thought of uh. potential death in action. It's so so funny. Um, and yeah, yeah, Rick basically just says what every adventurer wants to hear, rescue the damsel in stress, kill the bad guy and save the world. I mean, yeah, that's it. Come that's, on. that's your B-movie Let's cowboy go. adventure the right there. And um, yeah, it's also up. Winston is like, for me, a little nod to the uh, character Biggles as well. Yeah. Being yeah, old yeah, biplane yeah, hero, sure. it's kind of like a little nod to that. So in this film, which I really mm-hmm. liked. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Hot on Their Tail is, uh, is Imhotep and he's brought along benny and uh, evie in this big mm. sand sort storm tornado thing yeah. um and yeah and then basically um he they, they've got winston's plane and they're in it and um it's so great because jonathan they've got jonathan and our dad like holding on to the wings yeah do i look like i'm having a good time <laughs> Yeah, bloody hell. Yeah, like Jonathan is scared shitless, as any yeah. rational person would be. But our dad, he's loving it. He's yeah. like properly, like, he's like smiling and grinning. It's, it's, it's like really a, out of character, but it's really great. He's like a kid on a roller coaster, isn't he, in this part? Yeah, he is. It, yeah. And he would never have even probably, like, he's never been on a plane, probably never really seen a plane before. No. He's a desert man, do you know what no. I mean? Like, they don't. Especially in that And he's songs. just like, yeah, he's loving it. Um, And yeah, and so we get um, this really great, which. <sighs> The CGI doesn't really hold up well today, but I think considering it's 1999, this is really fucking cool. And it's such an awesome concept of the fact that he can control these sands and his face just comes out of this massive wall of sand yeah. and just swallows them, essentially, doesn't he? And there's a really there's a great scene here, and they use it in the trailer, and it's when Rick pulls down his goggles and then he racks the um, Vickers machine gun. And it's one of those things, yeah. you know, what, Rick, Rick again, you know... He, his way of dealing with this is by shooting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to try it. Shoot it till it don't move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and fair play, because Arnold Foster is so fantastic in this, because he's just, because he, he's not reacting to anything. He doesn't know how it's going to look in real life, you know. Hmm. He's just got Steve sort of shouting instructions, but he is like made for this role. He's this massive guy, and he's just 
roaring his face and he stood there and he's just got his hands like you know raised and he's just yeah it just looks fantastic and um you know it's it's a really powerful like all of it together do you know what i mean it's really cool um and was, again, a little bit of a behind the scenes bit. So it's a really funny bit where we have this wide shot where we see Imhotep and he's like controlling the sand and we've got the sands kind mm. of coming over the plane. And there's this tilt up, which is used because not only just to sort of emphasize um, like the magnitude of this sandstorm, but also <laughs> the costume department had put Arnold Boslu in this thong bikini oh, underneath really? his robes oh. for some reason. And yeah. because of all the wind effects and things, they lifted his robe and you could just see his bum <laughs> flying in the breeze. <laughs> um, so they had to sort of like shoot, like tilt it upwards to to stop you seeing it. I mean, I wouldn't have minded, honestly, but, you know, leave it in for all I care. But, um, but yeah, there was a, an artistic decision to not have his ass on show. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a really great bit, which reminds me of um, Jurassic Park, where, like, you know, they, they're being chased by the sand and, and Rick kind of sees this and he cries out for Winston to pedal faster and it reminds me of the bit with um he's like must go faster must go faster you know uh, yeah um, okay yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah in Jurassic yeah. Park yeah. um but yeah so anyway they end up crashing because you would mm-hmm. um but they are safe because Evie grabs Imhotep and snogs his face mm. um to sort of distract him and and it kind of falls but by that point you know they're kind of yeah they they, they crash and um poor Winston yeah, he gets the, uh, he gets, kind of gets what he wanted, didn't he, in a way? Yeah. You know, that sort of glorious death, isn't it, in a battle? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and, yeah. yeah uh, and, and he's, yeah. and he's kind of smiling as well, isn't he? And, yeah. You know, because he's, he's sort of, he's, he's enjoyed his last moments and stuff. And it's this real kind of bittersweet moment where it's like, he's got what he wanted, but at the same time, it's still sad that he's died. And, um, um, oh, Dev's found himself a, a machine gun as well, hasn't he? Which he's quite fond he of, He does. Yeah. He's got himself a new new toy. And he looks And there's ass. this really great line with um, Ken, Kevin J. O'Connor where, <laughs> like, you know, they assume, like, Emma Tapps assume that they're dead or something. Oh, I know and what he's you're sort of saying. Wandered now, off. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, he's just like, oh, I, I love the whole sand wall trick. It was beautiful. <laughs> bastard <laughs> and it's yeah. this really dry kind of like off the cuff remark and it was ad-libbed by the actor and he Can always imagine. thought that like he's um it was this really kind of i was listening to it on the commentary and i was like that's really kind of cool how you've got into the mindset because you know as we've established he's a bit of a weasel it's not like he really respects him a tep or anything he's just going with the biggest bully in the playground um but he you know it, it He'll, he'll piss take it in English knowing full well that Imhotep probably doesn't understand him mm. um, you know and he doesn't he just sort of walks off and things um, but it's just I thought it was like a really kind of clever little thought process yeah, from the yeah, actor yeah. Um, but yeah but it's such a great line it's so fucking funny it is so I um, found that hilarious as well yeah, a lot of my favourite lines in this are Adelaide actually it's a real mm. kind of like testament to the actors I think um, but yeah so uh, quicksand alert because you know can't have a good adventure movie without some quicksand and uh, um, the whole plane with Winston along with it sinks sinks into the dunes I just realised that and until you mentioned that I just thought yeah it's a little nod to the 80s there isn't it you know with quicksand for sure yeah it's in yeah, every gotta movie. have some quicksand <laughs> um so yeah and then what are we doing now so um back at Hapanatra, isn't it so they're back we at are the... at Hapanatra. that is right um so they are on their way to try and resurrect an oxygen moon Mm-hmm. Um, and we have uh, we have you know we've got on one bit we've got Imhotep, Benny and Evie and then we've got 
flip side, we've got RJ. Uh, RJ, it's because I've got my notes saying RJ and A. I'll be, I'll be RJ in this movie. Yeah, I'll be um, Rick O'Connell in this movie. That's fine. Rick, Rick Donaldson and RJ. Um, they're uh, working away in the walls just to try and get um, find the the Book of Amun Ra um, to try and put because they've they've worked out, haven't they? That if the Book of the Dead can bring him back to life, then the Book of Amun Ra, Book of Life, can kill him. Yeah. Um, so there's this bit where um, they, they there's all these the, the scarabs back in the in the wall and Jonathan typical Jonathan any opportunity to uh, scrounge something um, he sort of does what the what the warden did before um, and he sort of tries to to get it and then it animates it into this sort of live scarab and it it also tunnels under his skin and there's this really kind of like no Jonathan kind of moment, isn't there? Yeah, you think he's going to um, die. Yeah, you think he'd learn by now as well when you're everything that's going on. Just don't touch this shit. Do you know don't what I mean? Mess Just with this shit. You know, get... let it stay buried. Yeah. And um, but yeah, but luckily for him, Rick's there and he cuts it out of his shoulder. Yeah. And um, and then and then Rick, you know, typical fashion, shoots it dead. And it works this time, <laughs> um, doesn't he? He shoots something yeah, and it works. There you go. He can shoot can those the, things. Shoot a little scarab. Um, but it's really funny because in, in, in real life, John Hanna, who plays Jonathan, he he doesn't work out. He's not like an athletic person at all. And he, he apparently has never worked out a day in his life. But he did a day of working out before the shot because he knew that his shirt was going to be ripped open. Oh, right. And he Buffed was complaining all day about how sore he was because, you know, he doesn't really do it. Right. But he after the shot, he was like, he asked um, the director whether he noticed that he had like worked out because he genuinely thought that just one day of working out would make a bit of difference <laughs> <laughs> if it did that'd be a miracle cure for all us guys and people you know I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just you know pump some mind good to go got a six pack ready to <laughs> got a body like Schwarzenegger the next day <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. he's like did you notice did you notice I worked out <laughs> <laughs> is that how it works oh, yeah it's apparently yeah. how it works yeah, how it works these weights anyway so yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the um, so the, the gunshot, um, you know, of the scarab um, sort of notifies the others that they're on the, hot on their tails, and like Imhotep's very annoyed by this, whereas Evie's kind of like McConnell um, and all that. And uh, so Imhotep he resurrects the priests, doesn't yeah, he? Um, from the wall. Yeah, it's really cool. And so he orders them to basically go and he says wake the others. So we don't really know what that means. It's a bit oh hello, mm. what's going on here now then? Um, and it really starts to get into that real kind of like supernatural kind of mummy actiony kind of thing. You know, um, there's a lot of sort of Jason and the um, uh, uh, oh, God, Jason, Jason the Argonauts. I like thing. that. Yeah, yeah, the skeleton scene. Yeah, that's right. Harry House. Yeah, 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 for sure. Quite, yeah. Um, but before we get to that, such a, I always get really excited about that bit because it's just, it's so, such a encapsulate everything that I love about like adventure movies, you know, with like the, the mummy skeleton type mm. um, fight. Um, so I get excited, but we have some bits before that. So um, they, so yeah, so uh, Rick, Jonathan and um, Ardeth, they sort of make their way through the, um, through the tombs and they find the treasure of the pharaohs and, um, and like, they use the light, the mirror um, effect before when they use the mirrors to create light. But this time it's Rick and he just shoots one of the mirrors to like <laughs> reposition it. That's it. Shoot, shoot it. I mean, it works. Yeah. 
it works. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's just amazing. Like the whole, I mean, the whole shot just looks fantastic. It's just gold and glistening everywhere. And yeah. Um, so they sort of go down into the cavern and um, yeah, and they've got, they reach the, um, the bottom and all of these mummies, um, you know, these priest mummies, there's ones I said that sort of are more wrapped in bandages and more typically mm. of what we like, you know, know as to be mummies. And they burst through the ground and like they're clawing um, with yeah, their hands fantastic. and everything. And, and so, yeah, they all have their guns and our desk got his big machine gun. They all sort of, yeah. He's got an ever ongoing amount of rounds in that magazine as well and he just shoots and that's it just keeps going doesn't it and i love it i think it's great it's amazing how he knows how to reload and all of this no oh, training. Yeah. yeah that's it he's just shooting the shit out of all his mummies and he you know oh. yeah no uh but that's all right though it's, it's again it's one of those things where it's like you know it doesn't really make sense but it doesn't matter because it just doesn't so cool. matter it don't matter it works it really it's doesn't great. it's fantastic it's fancy and all that yeah so for sure um and yeah so now um imitap has started to like try and start the ritual so he's got evie handcuffed to the table mm. um and uh we've got the sacred jars all lined up alongside her and everything and evie sort of looks down at horror because this rat has started crawling over her and so mm. she screams and shifts her body so the rat falls off her but it falls onto the mummy of an the moon and then she just screams um and what's quite funny is um the rat um was sort of like tipping it over onto her was actually an accident um oh. and the actress um playing an oxygen moon because it's a real live rat um she just after they cut they yelled cut um she just leapt off the altar and just started screaming because she <laughs> didn't expect it to jump on her and when you watch it you can actually see her head twitch in reaction to the rat uh, landing right, okay. so. um yeah and uh, yeah, so that was that was sort of quite, quite cool. Um, but yeah, so the screaming sort of morphs into um, like one of the mummies shrieking, the priest mummies back as, as you know they're all shooting at him. And um, there's this really great bit where so we've got the dynamite back. Uh, he picks up a stick of dynamite, Rick, Love and he strikes dynamite. this match on Ardeth's stubble. <laughs> <laughs> and there was actually a matchbook stuck to his face. It's not an effect. Oh, was it really? Um, yeah, right. yeah, it really does. Apparently, it actually quite hurts, but right. <laughs> which I can imagine. I love that. I love that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does it again later, um, and uh, but I think I think it's on Rick's face this time, and um, and yeah, a bit of a matchbook stuff there. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it really does it. It's quite cool. Um, practical, effect, practical effects at its best. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Benny's trying to he's he's cutting out of here. He wants the treasure. He's got what he wants, and he wants to go. So there's this, there's these really kind of like funny interspersed scenes of like comic relief where he's kind of like trying to escape with these camels and the camels just aren't budging like he's trying to pull on them and like get them to go and they're just not having any of it and apparently again that was like that wasn't scripted it's just the camels refused to move for the actor <laughs> they know a turncoat they know a turncoat they, they do yeah. they do um it's just it's really just these really funny little scenes interspersed with it all mm. um and so, yeah, so they've got, um, yeah, so I think now that's when they start doing, like, um, the ritual and things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then they, they've got this, like, and again, all these scenes are very kind of, like, quick, short scenes all kind of, like, cut together. And um, we've got our gang sort of fighting off the mummies and stuff. And it's a great line of, like, you know, Rick going, like, these guys just don't quit, do they? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, and then Ardeth, he sort of has a bit of a a bit of a, a sacrifice moment so he sort of sacrifices himself for the um 
The Greater Good. He the does. And when I first watched this, I thought, oh no, because I thought he's a great yeah. character. And I think he was supposed to die. Uh, mm. But it, the, the, yeah, he, he got would. such a good audience reaction or something. Or it, uh, it, well, they basically, thought, the, kill this guy. Steve Summers, he just really liked the actor mm. and he just had this real kind of good vibe off him and thought that the, the audience was going to really like him as well. And so they kept the scene in, but then they added that bit at the end where he comes back and things. And, and again, it's one of those things where it's like, if you kind of think of the logistics of it, it doesn't really make sense, but it doesn't matter. Um, and I think it works really well. And yeah. I'm really glad that they did that because he's so great in the sequel. Oh, he is. Uh, and he's such a great character. And it's also a nod to the B-movie, um, uh, not, uh, like B-movie um, films and stuff like that from the 30s mm. or 40s. Because you had characters like this who you thought were dead and then they come back. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, kind exactly. of what happens. Yeah, this, so is the, cool. this is what I mean. Like it doesn't matter. Like the logistics of it doesn't matter because no. it's all part and part of the package that you get with these kind of movies. Mm. Um, for sure. Um so yeah, so Rick and, and Jonathan, they escape um, and um, we now see the ritual taking place and the Nux and the Moon's soul is coming out of this like pool that they've got, which is very kind of this sort of liquid form. It's very kind of ghoulish, isn't it? And um, and then it lands sort of like it sort of rests over Nux and the Moon's corpse. Um, and just as... Um, yeah, just as like uh, Imhotep is sort of like raising the ritualistic dagger over Evie, ready to sort of stab her and things, um, so that Anoxinamun can live. Um, he's interrupted again um, by Jonathan running through, saying that he's found the book of Amun Ra. That's mm-hmm. it, because yeah, they found they found the book. <laughs> that little bit I forgot to mention. Um, and so um, there's this whole bit where he sort of runs in. He doesn't really realise what he's running in on, um, but he's it's really funny because he's so pleased with himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like yeah I've done something right you know <laughs> so he's worked out for once yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so Imhotep sort of stops the ritual and he starts in towards Jonathan to try and get the book because um, he understands that that's kind of like his downfall um, and so he puts down the dagger and things and Evie sort of says to Jonathan he's got to read the inscription it's the only way to kill Imhotep um, but unfortunately it's locked um, and the key is inside Imhotep's robes so that's a bit of a bit of a stickler in your plan isn't it yeah um and then we this is where we get the really kind of cool um fight scene i think with with rick and everything and it's just such a great kind of family action moment very indiana jones yeah as i said like jason the argonauts and all that kind of stuff um and all of it is so the mummy's obviously there cgi and stuff but like for days Brendan Fraser was like practicing in like the choreography and getting it just right, and then they would right. use sort of like actors as so he would know where to react to, and they had all the marks and stuff. And so, like on the extras on the on the Blu-ray and things, you see how they they build up the scene and how they sort of work it all in, and it's so clever. And like fair play to Brendan Fraser, he does all of this himself. Uh, the only thing that he doesn't do at one bit is one of the leaps, one of the massively high leaps. It's the only bit in this entire sequence um, that isn't him. Um, so it's like fair fucking play um, and it was all done in just two takes oh, right, okay. all done really good um, but it's so cool and like the mummy's heads are flying and they're getting stabbed and there's one bit where like he sort of stabs one kicks the other and then he flings the the, the original mummy over his head with the sword and oh it's so cool isn't it? I loved it I was I was so enjoying this like I say I can remember back in 99 when I was at the cinema I was like oh man this film just gets better and better and better do you know what I mean it's just doing everything yeah. I wanted to do so it's fantastic 
I wish I could have seen this at the cinema. Like this scene and stuff, do you know what I mean? Like we were so amazing at the cinema. Um, uh-huh. Can't imagine. Such a proper, like, you know, fist pumping and woohoo! Yeah, yeah, that's right. Everybody was pumping at the cinema. I remember it was. Yeah, it's great, man. For sure. Um, So, yeah, and then, um, so, yeah, so Jonathan's, you know, reading from the book. So all these scenes are kind of cut together. You've got, you know, you've got Rick fighting. You've got Evie kind of, like, screaming on the table. And you've got Jonathan reading from the book. Um, And, uh, yeah, and then... Rick manages to cut Evie's um, chains and she gets herself free. And then all of a sudden we've got the mummy soldiers, which, which are just they're so terrifying. And they're the, pharaoh, the resurrections of the pharaoh's guards. Yeah. And they've got these massive hats and these huge, they've got two swords, haven't they? They've got those, those ones which have got like the really big handle that kind of curve around. It is, and it also reminds me of what you mentioned earlier, it's like Jason the Argonauts, you know, mm. where there's like this sort of final showdown. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's great, it's so effective. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and there's that really great moment, which like, I'm, I, I can't remember, I don't know if it is in the, in the uh, advert or not, but um, where they sort of where <laughs> so it sort of throws back to the scene where he first meets Imhotep and he sort of roars in his face so you know Rick roars in these mummy's faces and of course they do it back but they have that massive mouth thing where their mouth just widens and it's this this massive wall of sound and he's like uh-uh and he suddenly just flees and they chase him <laughs> and um and then he gets that really great bit where he does he, he holds onto the rope and he cuts Aww. it flies upwards <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good it's so good oh. um, and everything and it's just yeah oh, it's oh, this whole thing is just so fucking great like Kate. if you wanted to just like watch nothing else and just watch this scene do you know what I mean I would, I would that, that gives me sort of get, that so gives good. me a little twitch in the right place every time when I see that scene do you know what <laughs> I mean so. <laughs> I just took some water then and honest to god I just sat out that's how I reacted to that <laughs> <laughs> That's a good tonight. <laughs> I didn't just for just for the record. <laughs> so it was uh, definitely a, a hell yeah kind of moment. I, I, I fist bumped. I felt I felt I felt the need to share that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad you did. Thanks, I did. I'm really glad. <laughs> oh, uh, oh. And then yeah, and um, so again, all this action is going on, and Evie's up, and she's running away, and she's being chased by Anuxan the, mm. the mummy, and she's like shouting, it's like you've got to finish the inscription, and um, and yeah, and then uh, there's this bit where he's so so yeah, Jonathan's trying to like finish it and things, and he can't remember what one of the words was, and he's trying to describe it, and and <laughs> Evie's like literally fighting off this mummy and she's still there like she's again she saves the day because she tells him it's all like you know it's all very much a joint effort but like you know she's the one who sort of translates for him the the last key word that he needs to finish the inscription um and basically it means that when he does it means that he has control of the book of life and so he can control the mummies and this is really awesome bit because rick is running and he's fallen down the stairs this massive great stone stairs oh yeah that's right and the mummies are coming after Mm. him and um just as jonathan's finishing the inscription um the mummies with their swords and their curved swords all kind of come down and they're literally about to pierce his face like they're right up against him and suddenly boom they just stop and you're just like fuck it just (laughs) yeah it's really putting the pressure on there wasn't it but just works really well doesn't it 
and then they just stand up to attention and they think and then Imhotep is like and he's just whirls round um, and he yeah and because he's about to like um, I think he's about to get Jonathan and then yeah and he just whirls around and realises what's happened and then Jonathan instructs the mummies to go after Anuks and Amun mm-hmm. and um, there's this really um, great bit where he goes after Jonathan um, and goes after Jonathan and he holds him up by the throat and there's this, this really cool bit where um, basically how they did that so on set they were trying to work out all the rigs and stuff but Arnold Bosley has this whole history of working with like B-movies and on very low budgets and all this kind of stuff yeah. and he was like no don't do any of that why don't you just do this and what it is is they get like an apple cart and you put one foot on it and then as you're being quote unquote lifted you then push yourself up Right. Okay. and so it's this really simple effect of just John, uh, you know, John Hannay just pushes himself up onto this apple cart and it gives the effect that he's being lifted and that, like you know Imhotep's really really strong and it's just literally so simple and it's basically free Mm. and like apparently Arnold Bosley was a total hero on set that day because they just saved him a ton of money and they like a ton of like logistics with like all the rigs and stuff Um, so yeah hooray for B-movies coming in with the knowledge works every time so yeah right (laughs) (laughs) so yeah and then um, so yeah and then we've got What's next then, RJ? I've got to fly through all my notes. Well, um, uh, they basically turn him into a mortal now, don't they, with the book, doesn't it? That's all like, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so, um, they have... Yeah, they. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So, they, um, they turn him mortal, and it's just really great... Just... Uh, like it's just really cool. Like I don't even know how to sort of like describe. It, okay, so these... it's very much like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you've got the angels. Yes. So you've kind of got something that happens here where you kind of go, it is weird, but you kind of on board with it, don't you? Because it's like uh, angels have come down and they've taken his soul and they've taken it back to heaven and they've made him a mortal. Well, to yeah, the underworld, yeah. Or so the underworld, yeah. Like the, the Egyptian the terms, yeah. The underworld, they kind of come in this massive mm. chariot, don't they? Yeah, and it's great, um, yeah. And they come down. Yeah, you're right. Very um, it's very much Raised the Lost Ark and then and they come through and they sort of they sort of ride through him. Yeah. And in doing so, they pull his soul from his body and, um, you know, Rick's like, I thought you said this was going to kill him. And they take him off and they whisk his soul back to the underworld and, um, and then, you know, Imhotep, he sort of like comes over charging towards Rick and then Rick basically just plunges the sword into him. him. yeah. That's a, and, yeah. and Evie's just like, he's mortal. Mm. And it's like, oh, and then like he removes the blade. And this is the, this is the point. It's the only moment where you see blood on an Imhotep's hand um, and a little bit of a sort of a spot on, on Rick's shirt. That's literally the only blood in the entire movie, which I oh, think is right, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and he sort of stumbles backwards into this pool of like ghoulish creaturey things and um, it's, it's the same pool that an Oxen and Moon soul came from so presumably I think it's like a portal to the underworld or whatever um, and they're all kind of like they just sort of swarm his body and they're groaning and sighing and they just sort of pull him under um, and um, and yeah and he sort of just before just before he's about to go he sort of says death is only the beginning it's great. he says in ancient yeah, it's very, Egypt very, and the EV translates in a sec very deep isn't it very deep it makes you think so uh, yeah it's cool yeah 
also sequel <laughs> this is where it leads um, on to the so, sequel though isn't it where they you know his body exactly, is still there yeah. isn't it technically so this is his new resting place isn't it for the sequel so yeah yeah exactly so we're in the final little bit now of, of yeah. the film and we cut to our little buddy benny mm-hmm. and he is he's got all of his 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 treasure and stuff and he's staggering through the tum- uh, tunnels sort of we've got these massive heavy bags and stuff and um, you know, and he sort of stops because he hears the scratching and the, the sort of squeaking, I guess, of, of the scarab beetles. Mm-hmm. And he sort of rests a moment and he puts down his bag and he rests it on like a, a statue or whatever, but it's actually turns out to be a lever, which causes <laughs> this whole kind of like domino effect of this booby trap. Yeah. The it's it's, temp- it's temporary. Shut down. Mm. Yes, exactly. I mean, there's so many beats of Indiana Jones mm. and all of this. It's oh, just, it's so, right but now, again, yeah. it's so great. Yeah. Um, it's what you want and all of the the walls kind of come down it's just real kind of oh shit yeah, moment you know stuff's falling down <laughs> and the gang back in the in the cabin they realise what's happening and they're mm. like fuck go I mean they don't say fuck but they're like, <laughs> they're like let's go and um, they drop the book into into the water which Evie is very upset about and honestly I understand um, <laughs> and um, then they grab her and they pull her along and Benny's still trying to get this treasure yeah and um he eventually he does abandon it because I think he does realize that it's not worth his life um and everything is just crumbling around. and this is all practical all of this was practical effects everything was really crumbling the walls were really coming down on these rigs um you know it's it's crazy and they kind of they sort of they have this massive bit down this massive wall that's kind of coming down and it's this whole kind of ceiling that kind of comes down and they sort of race through it um and benny's sort of (sighs) at the rear and rick despite everything that benny's done rick still tries to save him doesn't he he's like come on come on come on come on come on you know kind of thing yeah he shows that he's the better guy doesn't he really to Mm. do that which is cool and he comes out with that line i'll let you say it he's (laughs) yeah goodbye benny yeah this is it he finishes it on that you know yeah, it's oh, that like little book, book sort of case, uh, book, uh, book bookend, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To, it does, sort of, yeah. You know, there. Yeah. And um, and that again, that was a line that was ad lib by Brendan Fraser, um, which again just works really, really well. I think everyone is so involved with this film and so involved with their characters that these little ad libs they work so well, and they really just make this film. It's it's spectacular. Oh yeah. Um, and actually, in this moment, Kevin um, J. O'Connor, the Benny actor, he actually burnt off his ha- arm hair with the flaming torch. Like, the impact of the stone wall coming down caused the flame to sort of, like, burn off his arm oh, hair. Oh, right. okay. um, and this sort of setness comes rushing over and stuff because his arm's smoking. And he looks over, apparently, and Steve Summers, the director, and Brendan Fraser just sat there laughing their asses off at him. <laughs> 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 I, thought, I, think, I mean, they uh. did come over and just check he was okay and stuff, but apparently their initial response was just pure laughter, <laughs> which I just... <laughs> Stick a plaster on it, it'll be alright. Yeah, I'll yeah, be alright. <laughs> um, it's just burn a bit, burn a bit. Um, so yeah, so this bit, so despite everything that Benny's gone through, uh, like he's done and all of the awful things that he's done, I really actually just feel, because I, I can't help but just think what that must be like. Mm. You are stuck, buried underground in this in this room with no way out, no water, no food, no nothing. And then on top of that, you've got this hundreds and hundreds of scarab beetles oh the light and the light goes out oh can you imagine just being alone in the dark underground i couldn't think of anything worse i think it'd be one of my worst fears actually being buried alive i think it'd be bloody awful to be honest horrible like i just i really do feel sorry for him and i know that's Mm. that's not probably what we're supposed to be feeling but i just can't help it it's just such a horrific way to go but then that 
what you've just said there is it makes you feel how Rick feels because he's yeah. kind of always trying to look out for this guy he's always sort of fucking him over every five minutes but he's still got that sort of oh, shit you know it's just that annoying fucking brother or whatever sibling that yeah, he's trying to say for fuck's sake Ardo are you yeah. comparing me to the to the hero of the piece are you comparing me to, to Rick O'Connell well there you go I'm giving you Rick O'Connell that... there you go yeah oh, I'm handing that torch over to that. you there you go yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. Thank there you. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you've got... And we're back at the action now. We don't really have mm. long to to sort of lament Benny um, because the gang, like, they're running through and they've got all these toppling ruins and statues and the ground it's shaking quite, like an earthquake and yeah. they've got to, like, hop and dodge all of these, you know, these massive towers falling. And this was the set actually being destroyed. Like, they didn't need it, so they, just, they were going to bulldoze it anyway. So they thought, well, let's just do it for real and it will be a better effect. But... Um, yeah, so that was really cool. So I can't imagine how scary that must have been on set. Um, but some of the stuff was done by CGI, like some of the mass. Like when you get the wide shots, that's all kind of CGI and things. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's all practical, which again is just it's so cool. And they eventually, they eventually get out, don't they? And they they kind of just sort of turn around. They kind of take in. They have this moment where they just sort of kind of take in what they've been through and what they're yeah. looking at. Yeah, they. they um, yeah, so carry on. I can say they finally realised that. This place has caused you no end of shit, but they've come out of it realizing something else, didn't they? Which obviously Rick O'Connell very cheesily comes out and says in, in a minute. Which... It's so cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I can't help but cringe at it. But yeah, mm. we say he says, um, oh, it, well, we've come I, away I with. John Hanna says we've come away with nothing, you know. Damn. You know, oh, yeah, he goes, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. I've got your sister. And then they, they <laughs> all look at each other all gooey eyed and all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even but what I really like though is that John Hannah does kind of you're with John um, I live with Jonathan on this and he sort of rolls his eyes and goes oh please and he yeah. turns to the camel doesn't he and he's like oh shall we have a little kissy wissy kind yeah. of thing how about you darling and that was again that was all ad-libbed as well and then That's the it. camel just sort of like breathes in his face it's like <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just, it's, yeah, we are Jonathan in that moment because, like, Rick and yeah. romantic and gooey and gross. Oh, um, and but it's, it's, they have this real kind of big kiss, though, don't they? And um, the, I've got to say, like, the music in this moment is just really evokes those real kind of old time movies, like the forties and fifties, where it's all strings and it's this kind of romantic crescendo kind of thing, you know? Yeah, um, I, it's funny it, you say that because as soon as I we spoke about that, like, you know. Oh, I'm gonna kiss you now, sort of thing, you know. <laughs> I can hear the, yeah. I can hear that music every time I, you know, as we mentioned that it's just very um, Arabian night sort of music, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, in the yeah, desert, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so it works really. And well. I think as well, like obviously they've had that kiss that he kind of stole from her at the beginning and stuff, but mm. it wasn't like a real kiss. Like this is their first real kiss, you know. And I'm really glad that it wasn't when she was drunk by the fire and stuff. You don't really want a drunken kiss to be your first no, kiss. No, that's and right, I think yeah, this yeah. is just so much better. And it's it kind of reminds me sort of going back to, you know, when we were talking about the Princess Bride, it's just like, you know, it's a very kind of similar thing. They're on ca- well, they're on camelback then on horseback. And they like and, you know, they've got the sun um, you know, behind them and everything and this massively romantic kiss with music and everything. It's just you know, I think I think you know this kiss would probably qualify under what it says in the Princess Bride. There's only a few good kiss yeah, kisses it. in the world. Yeah, and it, it, um, it's so a quite, schmaltz. It is quite a good one. It's a great way to say how did you meet? You know, well, <laughs> <laughs> saved, saved your mother from uh, you know a mummy, a reincarnated <laughs> mummy. You know, casually as you do. Yeah, that's it. You Took know, it to the movies afterwards. You know, we caught a flick. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then, yeah, they literally, they just all ride off into the sunset. And, um, and yeah, what we see is this glisten of treasure because what they don't realise is that all of Benny's sort of haul that mm-hmm. he had kind of like, you know, hauled out of there, uh, they now have. So they didn't come away with nothing either. They got their treasure in the end as well. Yeah. Um, they get a good uh, dose of karma here, don't they, in the end, really, where they, you know, it turns out right for them. So. Uh, yeah, for sure. And then we see how that kind of comes to fruition in the second one because their house is insane. <laughs> Yeah, that um, gold bought them a nice house, didn't it? And everything else, so yeah. Uh. It did, it did, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's basically, that's... that's. Oh no, but no, we have the... We, we didn't mention... We have all this bit about we love our death going back. We didn't even mention it. Oh, that's <laughs> right. It comes back, isn't it? And, and he, and he yeah, says something. Back. He says, well, you know, uh, may Allah bless you. And, you yeah, know. yeah. He I think it's really like good. A, you know. a blessing and stuff. Yeah. So um, a blessing, and like Jonathan it? sort of returns it. It's not really as, as kind of cool. It's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. And he's sort of, and you, and you, buddy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like a woohoo kind of moment. Oh, yay, you made it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, that, and that's it, isn't it? And I'll, like, so that's the end of the movie, isn't it? And, you know, and that's it, yeah. And they go off riding into the sunset and uh, go off live their, their awesome lives, yeah. basically. It's a yeah, it's a fucking excellent movie, and then we, I mean, even the end credits are really cool. They got all the lettering in it. They kind of morph into hieroglyphics and stuff, and and the score is awesome. It's got the real kind of like, yeah, just that real old school. Kind well, of- this is it. I mean, I've said this to uh, Dan on the show a few a few times now, where um, you get the end credits, and if you come out of the cinema buzzing with the end credits, you know you watched a good yeah. film, and that's how I yeah. felt. And um, I think I immediately went to go and watch this film, not that night, but again, I came out and thought, oh my God, holy oh, you ha- shit Yeah, hell. I'm pretty you know, sure that like... I, I mean, I, you know, I said like I watched it pretty much every day yeah. for like a month, but mm. I'm pretty sure like if it wasn't that night, me and my mum definitely watched it again like the next day. Yeah. Um, probably wasn't that night because it had probably been a bit late and I was only like 12 or something. <laughs> but like, as, um, <laughs> as we, you know said throughout this film this film just works on every level it's got great characters great story great action um, yeah, it yeah, mo- moves, moves at a pace it pays homage to lots of different films indiana it jones it knows what stuff, it is it? it's very much aware of what it yeah. is what it's trying to say what it's trying to do and it really just falls completely into it and so as an audience we totally buy it and we are along for that ride like yeah. all the way 100 percent. and i think that a lot of that as well it's like because the cast and crew are just so involved with you know everyone's bringing their a-game I mean, like you know brendan frazier i mean guy uh, in one of the scenes he like broke it he like busted up his hip um and things because he just wants to do everything himself and like yeah. you know every, everyone is just really here for that journey and, and and telling this story as best they can and i think it just really comes through and as an audience member you really kind of get a feel for that and appreciate that so and, and other, you go along on that ride as well the other thing i like here as well is what they did with this film is what they did with um i'm just going back to 88 with die hard i know this is a little bit mm. of a tangent here um but oh, what, what i'll explain here is just what i like is when they they, they actually hire an actor that wouldn't be your typical action hero, but then he ends up becoming yeah. an action hero, which blows it completely out of the water. That's what happened to uh, Bruce Willis and yeah. Die Hard. Bruce Willis, yeah. I mean, both because... of them, both him and Brendan Fraser, were sort of more known for rom-coms exactly. and comedies and things, weren't they? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're these bona fide action stars with just exactly. one. And I think, yeah, and it. Works. I think both of them, they just have this real kind of like passion for wanting to do stuff themselves mm. and and taking on this like new challenge and things. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just this, you know, we're sort of talking about things and, and you know, wants to sort of me- mention Brendan Fraser and stuff because, like, he's just had, like, a, a whole thing. Um, 
and and some of it is because of like how much he puts into this mo- these movies because yeah. you know by the third one i mean there's like a good at least 10 years before like since he did this first one you know 10 years in adult time is quite a long time a lot can happen in 10 years exactly yeah. and he's, you know, yeah. he's he's he got a lot of injuries and stuff didn't he yeah that's right and um he, he, like i say it's, it's just a shame what happened to brendan fraser so i'm always always defend him when i hear people say about him because i say well no he's been through a rough time and he go and check this out yeah he, he isn't a guy who's an actor who's gone off the rails because of drugs or alcohol or whatever he's no, actually no he's shit's happened to him and it's a shame because you know real um, shit has happened to him and, and really... um you know sort of talking about his injuries is just sort of really about how how kind of committed he is to his films but i mean yeah. you know some of the injuries that he's had to mm. and a lot of it from the third movies is um you know he's had to have several sort of surgeries he's had to have a, a partial knee replacement um something called um a, a laminectomy which yeah. is like a, mm-hmm. But is that the vocal cord? Yeah. He's had vocal cord surgery he, he, as well. And it's to do with spine, isn't it? The laminectomy. That's to do with the spine. I, I'm going to um, have to agree with you on that one, Carl, don't I? <laughs> I'm, pretty oh, sure, like, I'm pretty sure that's to do with the spine. It's like, yeah. And then oh, I did look it up, but I forgot. Bad, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, on top of that, he's had like this really messy divorce. And, yeah, he's had a rough um, time. You know, she's trying to take all of his money. And, 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 yeah. and because of these injuries, he can't work so much. And, you know, and then obviously all the stuff that happened, you know, with um, Philip Burke and things mm. um, and all that stuff that massively affected his health issues. He's just, he's been through the absolute ringer. And I'm like you, like anytime I hear or see someone sort of like online, I'm just like, it gets my shackles up because I'm just like, don't you be coming after Brendan Fraser. The man yeah. is the fucking best of us. He is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So yeah, he's been through a rough time. So, yeah, I, just, I get so defensive of the guy because yeah. he's, he's, he's truly a good bloke. And um, he, yeah. I think a lot of people don't realise everything he's gone through and they're just sort of quick to judge and, and all the rest. But he's having a bit of a, 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 a reprise now, isn't he? He's doing Doom Patrol and um, what other, what else do? I know he's doing a bunch of stuff. What, do you know what he's doing? I don't know. No, I didn't. I didn't realise he was having a reprisal actually, to be honest with you, but it'd be good if he does. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, good. I'll, uh, I'll just have a, have a quick gander on the interwebs. Okay. Um, let's have a look, quick look at his IMDb because yeah, he's been doing because um, he did a few bits after this as well because he did Inkheart. Which if, have you seen Inkheart? I have. Yeah, my daughter really loves that one as well. And, and funny enough, it's, I love it. it. It's funny how in this, it's funny how in this film, there's um, a subject about books, isn't there, and librarians? Yeah, and, and then he ends up doing that. a film called Inkheart, and he plays. It's nice to see him play the father, you know. Character. Yeah, yeah, and he's still like an action hero, but he's a very grounded action hero. Do you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. still, yeah, he's just sort of doing what's right, and it's such a phenomenal cast in that film. Like, mm. it's not the perfect movie. There are some bits we're a little bit twee and a little bit like you know, but I think for a family action adventure, it's up there. I think it's really unseen and really underrated. Um, I've got all the books, obviously, um, but I have yet to read them. Um, a, but they're supposed to be fantastic. It's a good film for uh, Christmas, isn't it? It's got a little bit of a festive I, thing about it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really? so. I'll be getting it out soon for sure. It's one of it's one of those it's not a christmas film but it's definitely got that kind of whimsy and that sort of magic about yeah. it and andy circus as the bad guy is so great oh, yeah, yeah if anyone yeah. hasn't seen that i totally recommend you going away and if you like sort of like family adventure with a bit of magic and stuff um and if you're a lover of books as well for sure <laughs> uh but yeah so just having a look here so he's done uh, uh the professionals um which is a tv series um he uh was in 10 episodes of that and then he is a 
um, I think he's a, one of the main cast members of Doom Patrol, which is um, this sort of more recent, I think it's a, a superhero type thing. I actually haven't seen it, but I do want to watch it because it's got one of my favourite actors, Matt Bomer, in it. Oh, right. Um, uh, so it says, Adventures of an idealist mag, mad, idealistic mad scientist and his field team of super-powered outcasts. Well, I mean, Jesus, that sounds awesome. There we go, that's it. Sold already. <laughs> Boom. Get on that. Uh. Um but yeah, so yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely doing like a few bits. There's been a few odd roles here and there. And he's got a couple of movies, I think, coming up from the looks of it. Um, something called No Sudden Move and something else called Behind the Curtain of Night. Um, yeah, he's done, a, he's done a few bits, but I think he's probably just been sort of focusing a bit on himself and, and getting himself. Well, hopefully things are yeah, turning around. Yeah, he's been doing turn things regularly, but just nothing way, massive. So. Yeah, I hope so, because he really deserves it. And he's a really, I mean, you know, he's a great action star, but, but genuinely as an actor, he's very, very good. He brings a lot of heart and a lot of sincerity to his roles, I think. And yeah, I, I think I with think Brendan Fraser, good. what you're seeing on screen with him as Rick O'Connell is Brendan Fraser. I don't think he takes things too yeah. seriously. He's very, you know, comedic and. He, yeah, like I say, yeah. plays it off as an action hero. So no, it's all good well, stuff. So he does. Um, yeah, uh, he does one of the um, the commentaries for the Mummy that I watched, and he he comes. He, there's a lot of stories and stuff that he tells. Um, you know, stuff like when he he passed out during the hanging scene and stuff like mm. that. But what's really enjoyable, and I kind of stopped making notes on it after a bit because he just loves watching this movie. Like, and not in a hey, this is my movie and aren't I great? Oh, but just, no, he no. just has so much jo- enjoyment from him, and it was just a real pleasure to hear him you know you'd be laughing at stuff and you'd hear him laugh along with you and you wouldn't necessarily be commenting on anything be like oh that's so great oh my gosh that's so funny and oh. and it's just if anyone gets a chance if anyone can get the blu-ray i mean you can get on amazon all three for like a tenner or something i think it's on a on a on a sort of set like a three disc set kind of thing and um it's got all the commentaries on there and if you i, I recommend anyone just watch it along with brendan fraser's commentary because it's just it's so lovely I think it's great if you are an actor and you do look at your work. I mean, it's like doing a drawing, isn't it? And then looking at it and saying, I did that. Yeah. So I've got no problem yeah. with that at all. You know, if, if, if you put in the work and effort. So. I think he's definitely proud. I, but it's not in a in a in in an arrogant way. He's just, no. you know, it's just no. really great to hear his I enjoyment of it, all. for sure. So, no. Um, but um, thank you for coming on to the show today, Kate. Um, thank you for having me. We've had a bit of a, <laughs> we've had a bit of a ball here we, with this. I mean, it's... Uh, Oh, uh, I tell you what. Talk about the curse of the mummy. Like <laughs> everything's right. gone wrong. Well, listen. I blame Dan. I blame Dan. Well, I reckon that he's he's, he's like, oh, you don't want to have me on this episode. Oh well, you know, Kate, you think you can go off on your own? Guess what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put some hom die on you. Well, I think he has. <laughs> it's a it's a damn bone fuck you curse, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> just hear him say yeah, that. For sure. Oh. oh, that's all right, Dan. I'll, I'll, I'll do another one with you soon, I'm sure. And also, as well, like it might not go on for so long if you're there to help. I think Dan yeah. even might have watched the movie and made some notes and said, Yeah, I'm ready to come on. Sorry, Dan, now you're not coming on this show. Yeah, yeah. All right, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, oh, all right, then well, I guess I'll just throw these then, whatever. Yeah, good luck, Kate. Oh. Yeah, let's see what happens with this. <laughs> I just. Uh... I'll just tear these notes up and use it for arse paper then, all right? No worries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'm just going to go back to my Haunted Hill fans. Gab. Yeah, this is it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm really joking. Love you, Dan. Love you. Yeah. yeah um, love and love you, Gab, as well, what we're mentioning. Yeah, and Gab. Um, but cool. no, it's, 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 been, it's been a bit of a palaver, but it's been really, really fun talking about this movie. And I'm so glad that I love this movie no. <laughs> as much as I do. But... Uh, yeah, I think we've had about three takes, haven't we? To three takes, yeah, you. three tries. And some um, of it was my fault. Some of it's poor, poor tech. Some of it is 
I mean, we've had my, my kids just come in with a nosebleed to, on this one. I've had a nosebleed and trying to find time with the run up to Christmas and everything yeah. both of us have got going on and stuff. Yeah. But we got there and um, and I, I just, yeah, thank you so much for sort of keeping on at this with me. And um, it's been so much fun talking to you about it. It's such no, a it's great fine, Kate. No, it's fine. I always think with uh, little things like this, adventures, things don't always work out. And uh, when it, at times like this, certainly in art and things like that, you look at the movie Jaws. They had yeah, all sorts of yeah. complications trying to make that film, and then all of a sudden it just turned out really well in the end. So, uh, you and just got to keep going. And this is how you get going. the best documentaries, you know, by stuff happening. You yeah, know, just, so if someone yeah. ever wants to make a documentary on what happened here, you know, you've got a lot of stories to go with. <laughs> it's, it's happened. Um, I think Terry Ginnam, he's he, he tried to make a film with Johnny Depp called uh, The Legend of Don Quixote. Still isn't finished. And he got halfway through and he had to come away from that it. That makes so, me so. feel better. So there you that go. That makes me so, feel better. So I'm I just, just saying stuff like that. Like, oh, poor RJ, just have to keep yeah. going back. No, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll sort of, you know, like I say, it's like us going back to Ham and Atra, isn't it? You know, keep going back. And, yeah, here um, we go again. So, um, Kate, I understand you, you said something about you was looking to do your own podcast, was it? I just oh, to... oh, my God. Do you know what? I'd completely forgotten. That's I'm so fine. Glad you yeah, did you want to tell us about that before? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I I do a few bits and bobs here and there. So obviously I've you know tried to come on your show. I've I've gone on Haunted Hill and yeah. um, I do a few kind of I uh, like submit a few reviews and stuff into the podcast under the stairs. There are various sort of movie clubs and, and shows on Teapots Collective and stuff. But um, I have recently kind of got together with my my good friend Matt Wood, yeah, who I purely know of of podcasting groups um it's literally it's really great friendship kind of like you and i that's um just sort of developed through our love of cinema and horror and and all of that and he propositioned me so we've got this podcast coming up um we've had (laughs) in true fashion i mean honestly i'm this one thinking this is all my fault because um with (laughs) with us having to do this several times because it's been months and months sort of gearing up to do this podcast but we've just it's just one thing after another has kind of like got in the way but um we don't I don't think we have quite got a name for it. We've got ideas that we're throwing around, so we've got to we've got to think of a name yet. But we'll, we're soon there, and hopefully, beginning of this next year, um, we are going to be starting our own podcast, which is going to be a movie podcast, and it's um, going to be talking about primarily horror, but we're also going to dabble into sort of other kind of what we'd sort of call genre genres films where yeah yeah, yeah, like sort of darker movies but you know a few dark comedies or some dystopian stuff or you know post-apocalyptic things or like sci-fi or thrillers just anything that's a little bit you know darker um or a little bit indie and a bit sort of off kilter a bit you know so um so yeah so just sort of want to kind of delve into to, to all of that kind of stuff and it's going to be a very light-hearted show just kind of going to be chatting about our impressions of the movie and stuff and a few trivia bits because i can't not do trivia i'm afraid hey, <laughs> um, uh, and it's just gonna be very kind of like chilled and light-hearted but it's going to be really fun and um and hopefully yeah we'll we'll get we'll get a couple of listeners you know my mum will listen probably maybe you know if i ask her nicely and um dan might listen on occasion you know so we'll, we'll get a couple of people so as long as there's a couple of people and we're no yeah get it, we'll, it on we'll board man on. you know i think always say again with art if you're if you're enjoying it then producing it and then someone might come along and say i oh, enjoy that and then that's it Do you know what i mean it's it, that's the key um i think a lot with yeah, me with I'm- um, bite-sized cinema is what I love about it. It's just talking movies with you guys. You know, having you on the show, Kate and Dan, and I love putting it together and all the editing and stuff like that. So, uh, 
Um, well, that's the, that's and... the one thing that I'm actually quite glad I don't have to do. It's not me doing the editing on. It's going to oh, be Matt. So, well, 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 <laughs> and that's don't... one of the things he's been trying to sort out all of his his tech equipment. But I'm just like, I do not have the pers- patience or perseverance for that right now. Well, don't <laughs> you rule, can do it. Don't rule it out. You might enjoy it because I just believe it or not, it's a part I really enjoy just sitting down editing with a, yeah. a beer or a cup I might of tea. Give it a go, so. but honestly, because uh, you know, being a mum and and everything else sure, as well, it'll probably sure. take three months for me to put yeah. a fucking episode yeah, out. Not... Honestly, if it's left to me. Well, I mean, uh, I've put a few episodes out purely because of 2020, um, because I've had just a little bit of time here and there. So, um, but yeah, it is is time with podcasts and stuff like that. But no, Um, but at least if it's not on me, it's like, oh, it's not my fault. I'll just leave you to it. Yeah, I've got a good scapegoat. Yeah, and oh god, this Matt guy. God, you know, just hurry up. No, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be fun. I'm excited, but I can, yeah, I can tell you this is gonna be a very kind of like fun just movie two movie fans two mates taking the piss out of each other and, and chatting shit about movies it's going to be good fun that's all you yeah. need man you know what i mean that's that is the main core of a podcast just get together have a bit of fun and talk a movie and go on lots of tangents and things like that so oh yeah stuff, for sure man. no I'm, I'm excited it's going to be really good so yeah so yeah i just want to plug that a little bit yeah no we're right. new we're the new kids on the block and whatnot yeah. so you know, gotta make <laughs> oh our my voices God, known. new kids on the block oh yeah <laughs> okay. All right, and Kate. Well, listen. It's been a joy to have you on on the show. We've got there. Um, we got through it in the end, which uh, I, we got that. Yeah. So um, I feel like we've grown as people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I've developed somewhere. <laughs> All right, and Kate. Well, listen. I'll, I'll, like I say, you're welcome to come on on again. <laughs> We'll maybe, we'll maybe choose um, and we'll, we'll review host or something. It's like an hour long. In my defence, this is a two-hour movie. So, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll do, do something a bit shorter next time. Okay. Or we'll just get Dan to rein it in for me. Oh, that's it. Yeah, we'll just tell Dan the fuck. You can come on board and then we'll tell you fuck off, Dan. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. All right. Then. Okay, Kate. Well, listen. I'm just gonna. I'll close the show. I'll just do a little bit of admin for the show. So. um I'll say, guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. We just had a ton of fun there reviewing this movie. Um, but for a little bit of admin, I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so please go and check out all the other shows on there. And uh, if you want to listen to By Side Cinema, I've got uh, several players on the internet, iTunes, Spotify. If you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast Legion, you'll you'll find the show there. There'll be some place to go and listen to it. Um, but, yeah, that's it, guys. Um, so... Like I say, hope you enjoyed the show, and as always, keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and I'll see you soon. See you later. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action 
Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.